Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome to the program. Happy New Year to everyone, uh, to those who celebrate. It's 2024. The first work day for a lot of people back uh Back in the uh, back in at uh, back in the office, back at their job, back at their thing. Uh, I hope you, if you, I hope you had a good, hope you had a good break. If you, if you had a break, um, I just, we just kind of just kind of kept doing our thing. I don't know. Uh, and and my daughter's off school, so uh, she was around more, and um, you know, just kind of did our thing every. You know, she brought home one last cold here for uh for the holidays and so we had to spend some time getting over that and um yeah i don't know uh the baby might be sick now what's that yeah what's that? Mm. yes these kids turns out they just uh they just get sick over and over again and uh and that's how it's been for for christmas and new years and and and, and everything but uh but yeah, we're uh, we're hanging in there. We're doing our thing. It's uh, I don't know. It's a it's a new year, new me. I, it's the worst. I, I'm not a big. I continue to not be a big uh, um, New Year's resolution guy. You know, like what are you going to change for the new year? Like I, you know, I got some ideas about things I want to do, but it's not, it's not tied to, oh, well, it's January and I've got to go, well, I've got to get moving on this. Um, so, <laughs> you know, yeah. Watch more nineties anime. No, I don't know. I watch Macross two, not Macross one, just, just, uh, the handful of episodes there of Macross two. Just going to get that in there. You know, uh, drag down season two of, uh, the live action laid back camp, you know, it's just, you know, important stuff, important stuff. That's what we're going to get. In. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's been, a, a, a kind of a, a, obviously a slow period because anyone that would be, uh, generating news about video games, they're off, you know, they're not putting out press releases. They're not doing it. So there's, there's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice kind of lull, um, in the schedule, in terms of like, there are not a a, a huge number of uh, new releases, and and you kind of catch up a little bit, and uh, and that sort of thing. Yeah, Zadowichi in chat says, "Get your goals updated in Workday." I I the the last company I worked for on my run there of working for companies, they used Workday. And it, uh, it was the, for my first encounter with, it, it's a really insidious piece of garbage software. It's, it's a, it's a really like a, it's a, it's a, uh, intranet platform for, you know, uh, telling you your benefits information and letting you file for time off and all this other stuff. It was, uh, it was worse than the CBS stuff. It was, I was, I don't remember what the, if the CBS stuff was custom made or if it was something that I, I forget what they used. But uh, the, the CBS stuff was easier to use. So that was a transition of just like, oh, great. You're all right. Well, I guess I guess that stuff's bad. I don't know. Uh, it's all bad. Turns out. Are you going to ins- go install Microsoft Teams? What are you, you going to? I've got to get on the Slack and tell everybody. Hey, everybody. Oh, what are you up to this year? Or whatever. Um, 
No, instead, I signed up for new health coverage, which started yesterday and uh, is uh, is more. I will say that, you know, they, the last uh, year and a half there of, uh, of uh, health benefits from my last job were cheaper than the ones I have now. <laughs> so that that's a, a positive, a negative and a positive. That's what we're going to do this year. One bad thing, one good thing. Uh, one good thing about the Nitro deck. I don't know that I have one. Uh, I got a lot of bad. I got uh, it's the button lights up. Oh, no, wait, that's another bad thing. It clicks in in a satisfying way. I don't. I bought one of these nitro decks from uh, CRKD. I don't, know if they, I don't know if they pronounce it cracked or or what their deal is. But these things have been all the rage lately online. I don't know what the hell. Um, and, and now that I have one, now that I have purchased one, uh, I am now wondering if it is a scam. Did I fall victim to a scam? Did I fall victim to a bunch of people lying on the internet? About how good this thing is, I saw The Verge trying to say it was good, uh, and uh, The Verge is probably not for sale when it comes to stuff like this, um, as opposed to people on TikTok going, you gotta get one of these. Um, I got a pop-up on TikTok lately that was like, do you see uh, too many promotions? Do you see not enough promotional content or too much? And I was like, it's too much. It's every every Two out of every three posts on TikTok now are people selling something. It's like, I got the blanket from the TikTok shop, and I'm trying it out. It can't be good. Oh, wait, it is good. Click my link to buy it. Fuck Fuck you. Uh, So uh, this is a... The Nitro deck is a shell. It is a a shell that you slam your switch into, your OLED switch, your regular switch, whatever. Um, And it's a controller. You know, it's got uh, all the switch buttons and D-pads and all this other stuff. It plugs into the USB thing at the bottom and kind of makes it look a little bit like a a Steam Deck, I suppose, if you needed a visual comparison, if you're not watching the video version. Um, And it came like like there were a ton of people. uh, I, I, I kept seeing a ton of positive content about this. And I was like, well, that, you know, I, I, I need to finish. Uh, I need, I, I'm looking to play some more Switch games, um, some Super Mario RPG, perhaps, um, as well as, you know, playing some more Super Mario Wonder and, and all that sort of thing. I was like, I want to get back to my Switch. So and uh, and I don't like the default Joy-Cons. The thing I don't like about them. Um, it's a minor thing. But when the Joy-Cons are on the sides of the Switch and you are holding it, especially holding it above your head like you're laying in bed, there is a slight movement to the Joy-Cons, a slight give, a slight bend there when they're in the rails. They move ever so slightly, and I hate it, and I hate it. Um, also, the Joy-Cons are garbage. Also, the D-pad on the Joy-Cons are garbage, and uh, the Joy-Cons are garbage. <laughs> so, you know... Plenty of reasons to want to replace the Joy-Cons with something else. Um, and so I got this Nitro Deck thing, thinking, uh, well, you know, it seems like there are a lot of people saying, hey, uh, this this thing solves a lot of problems with the portable experience on the Switch. And I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe that would be good. So 
was like 50 bucks. So I figured, like, all right, I'll try it out. It sucks. It's terrible. Every bit of it feels like a cheap piece of shit. It is. I am astounded by how bad this thing is. The the they say that the, the they don't they just say there's no drift in these analog sticks. I'm like okay, okay. Um, that's good. Are they, are they Hall Effect sticks? Can you get specific about that? Um, they did not really get too specific about it. Um, I, the the tops of the analog sticks to and 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 to be fair, they are selling multiple tops so if you can buy a $20 thing that'll let you replace them but these tops that are on these analog sticks feel like they were 3d printed or something they feel like trash the whole thing is very light and feels very flimsy I don't think that the vibration on the switch is outstanding to begin with but the vibration in this thing is way it, it is it just feels cheap the whole thing just feels absolutely cheap um the D-pad doesn't feel great. It does not feel good in the hands. Like there's just a, um, you know, obviously I, I think the, you know, the, the, the existing Joy-Con and, and, and analog stick placement on the right side and stuff is something you're either going to like or not like. And, you know, but there's something about the way these controls are laid out here. It just feels incredibly cramped. Um, also it, it's a pro controller. And so it basically, um, it plugs into the USB port on the bottom. This is something that you would have been solved by a little more research on my part, but I was just like, ah, fuck it. Let's order one and check it out. I thought that this was going to be something that you would plug the switch into and it would still maybe fit into your existing dock for like an ease of charging or that it would at the bare minimum have a USB port on it somewhere so that you could continue to charge it. It doesn't. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, wait. Is that, a, is that are these USB ports? Okay, wait. No. Okay. All right, there's one hiding under here. There's one hiding under here. Okay. Good. Input, output. Output? All right. That's weird. Um, okay, good. It's, it's underneath the weird back here now that I'm, like, staring at it. Um, okay, good. Because I was like, man, if I have to take this thing out every time I want to charge it, I'm going to take this thing out once and then take this shell and throw it and... And throw it! <clears throat> Um, it has its own kickstand, which feels sturdier than some of the kickstands Nintendo has uh, graced us with over the years. I'll say that much. Um, and then it's the, you have to, there's this little switch on the back that you hit to kind of take it out. And so removing it, you kind of have to, you have to get your fingers all over the screen to take the switch out of this thing. And, um, I I really hate this thing. I really hate the feel of this thing. Um, I was hopeful that it would, you know, because I, I I was hopeful that it would be like a good sturdy, you know, kind of solution for uh, playing the Switch portably, which I'm doing more often nowadays um, when I am playing. And so I was just like, found myself going like, I don't like the way these Joy-Cons kind of... Uh, uh, wiggle in the in the rails and i have not re removed or added this this switch has not seen a lot of uh travel or a lot of use like these are pr still pretty new rails my launch switch got beat to shit because i was lugging it around and doing stuff with it this oled has not seen much action at all and it still wiggles in the rails um i the, i it, it's uh it just it feels so 
cheap. It has additional back triggers. So I guess there's a process where you would, um, you know, connect your phone to this and update firmware on it and uh, map these buttons if you want to to do that. Um, I, I'm really confounded. Like, it, it was one of those things where, like, at first I was like, oh, I don't think I like this very much. But I guess I see why someone's, someone would. And then as I used it more and as I kind of put it through its paces over the last handful of days here, I, the, these analog triggers feel real terrible. Uh, it just like every single facet of it, I'm like, no, wait, this thing sucks. Like I, this, this thing continues to suck in deeper and deeper ways. I spent a bunch of time playing Mario. I spent a bunch of time playing uh, some analog stick games to give, you know, try and put it through its paces. And I'm like, God damn, man, this thing sucks. I, I feel like only by the incredibly low bar of a lot of accessories for the Nintendo Switch are straight up trash. Would you go, yeah, this is fine. Um, Because the comparison, like the bar is so low for uh, for so many different Switch accessories and, and, and all of that. Um. I bought the, 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 I feel like the one accessory I purchased for the Switch that I actually liked was the, uh, it's a replacement left Joy-Con. It's got Pikachu on it. Uh, and it's got a proper D-pad on it. And that actually feels okay. Uh, you can't take it off and use it wirelessly because it only, it only will connect wired. Um, <clears throat> and some people like the Hori Split Pad Pro, which is the big, it's a bigger, bulkier controller that you splits in half and you can, Attached to the sides, I have held that thing. I hate it. I don't it, it the the what it does to the switch and the weight layout and, and all the other stuff on it. I I am I am shocked that that is something that people keep trying to recommend as well. Um, but the the smaller kind of hori, I believe it. I believe it's a hori with Pikachu on it. With the but it's it's it's, it's just a replacement Joy-Con. Looks a lot like the existing Joy-Con, but it has a real D-pad on it instead of four buttons. Like, well, it's the that's the left one. Um, you know, it's got a it's got a real real D-pad on it, and uh, and that works pretty well. Um, have I tried the Switch Lite? Yes, I have. I have a Switch Lite, and this the part of like I was like I like the Switch Lite, but the screen is too small. And I want, and, and it's not an OLED screen. I've got an OLED switch. I want to use it. I want to play the late, the newest, latest. And maybe this will be a solution. It's not. And so I, I don't know. People seem to love this thing. I, I keep, and I can't tell you why. Like, I am genuinely baffled. I'm not trying to be, like, weird about it or whatever. Like, I, I it's fucking terrible. I am I am now that I have talked about it here, I am going to take this out of this thing and put it back in the box it came in and I will investigate if I can return it. I I I don't intend to ever use it ever again. Um and so I I it's I'm either gonna box it up and throw it somewhere or I'm gonna box it up and try to get my money back. Uh that's the nitro deck from and also there's some part of where like on their website, they're like, you can, and also with your phone, you can prove your digital ownership of the Nitro deck and join the family. You know, like there's some weird, it's like, what, what is my fucking, are you trying to put my switch on the blockchain, you motherfuckers? Like, well, you know, it's just like real, I don't know. I don't know what that's about. 
So I don't know. I, I the, ultimately, I guess I have to say I don't know because I, there have been a lot of really positive coverage of it, and I don't. I, I can't tell you why. I cannot tell you why. It's like baffling to me because every like every facet of that thing I touch, I'm like, God, this sucks. Oh wait, no, this this sucks. Wait, this part of it still sucks. This seems absolute trap. Like it is. Uh, it just feels like an incredibly bad piece of hardware. It feels super cheap and trashy, like the worst kind of third-party peripherals where you're just like, oh, I I would give this controller to someone I didn't like when they came over to play some multiplayer. Like, it's got that cheap feel to it. It's gross. Gross. In stores now. <laughs> um, as far as other stuff, it's heating up in here. I'm gonna, I'm, I was, I had my big plans to, like, I'm going to, because it was freezing cold last night. I was up, uh, I was up with the baby for a lot of time last night. And, uh, and so I'm working on a couple hours, a uh, couple hours sleep. And uh, it's going great. Um, the other thing I, you know, I kind of wanted to just mention very briefly here. It's, it's on Steam. It does not work on a Steam Deck currently because the, the, control, the, the controls are not mapped properly. You could probably come up with a, you could probably create a mapping for it if you really wanted to. It's a little game called Raindrop Sprinters. And um, it's a very simple, like, arcade maybe oversells it a little bit. It, it's a very simple mechanic. Um, and visually very simple. But I have to say, they nail the sound of a, like, mappy era Namco arcade game. Like, there's something about the the soundtrack, the music and sound effects in that game where they are, are targeting a highly specific era of Namco's history. And I think they kind of nail it in a weird way. But basically, you are... Um, you're a paw print. I guess you're meant to be a cat, but instead of drawing a cat, it's just you're a tiny paw print that moves across the screen. You want to get from the start to the finish and raindrops fall and you don't want to get hit by the raindrops. So you just kind of push to the right and left and, and kind of juke back and forth. Uh, and there are things to collect along the way that will increase your score when you get to the other side. And there's some unlockable modes and stuff like that. It's pricey. I'm not going to tell you run out and go uh go buy it immediately because it, it is incredibly thin for the price but i spent some time with it and i was like this is actually neat there's something neat about the the era that they're evoking here that that they're kind of they're scratching a real weird itch a very specific itch the way that you know some of those games in um arcade paradise kind of did which is probably a better value for your money if you're looking for kind of weird takes on old arcade games um <clears throat> and uh yeah i don't know it just kind of there's there's something about the the font work and the there's, there's something about the visuals with the exception of you just play as a paw print and you know what if you were a cat walking you know what if it looked, you know, a little bit more like uh, the big boss cat from Mappy or something like that? You know, there's 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 aspects of that that feels a little underdeveloped. Raindrop Sprinters is the name of the game. Um, 
and it's kind of cool. I will probably stream some of it at some point here uh, when I when I get to the the chance. Um, if you want to see it in action, uh, it's a uh, it's a neat little thing. But it, it is it is very very slight, and the the price is maybe a little high for how slight it is. So uh, keep that in mind if you do decide to uh, to give it a look. And that's basically that's basically what I've been up to. I fell in a hole. I, yeah, oh boy. Okay, hang on. Let me mm. let me drink this drink. I um. <clears throat> I finally did it. This happens uh, maybe once a year, and I uh, go and I find the download, and then just never run it, or I I, I end up moving on, and, and and or it doesn't work right, or you know, there's something because these files are not distributed officially. These files are not distributed, are not well distributed, and so you find yourself on media fire. And mega, and you you find people that are like, I've set up a thing where if you go and like all my YouTube videos, I will give you a link to the download. I saw that yesterday. I was like, what the fuck is? It? Uh, I am talking about. Uh, it is this one. This particular blend is called Mortal Kombat Chaotic New Era. I believe it is version one point three point five. Uh, and it is a Mujin, uh, Mujin uh, is a, it is a fucking, it is one of those ridiculous Mortal Kombat project Mujin games where they have filled it full of a thousand different characters and it's a bunch of shitty fan edits of just like, this is Scorpion, but what if he was fucking ab- hella rude and, you know, and also Mike Tyson is in it and also, and also Mike Tyson is in it. Uh, and they have got a bunch of quotes, uh, Mike Tyson quotes that he says while he fights the entire cast of Street Fighter. The movie, the game is in there. Um, there are lady versions of some characters like a uh, there's like a what a, they it's like smoke et is what they refer to her as is really. Uh, embarrassing. There's a, and, and so it is a bunch of Mortal Kombat characters and then a bunch of fucked up edits of Mortal Kombat characters and then. The almost the entire cast of WWF WrestleMania, the arcade game, is in there. So Razor Ramon is in the game. Um, but I I was uh, scrolling through TikTok and someone was live streaming it, and it reminded me of it, you know. And I was like, oh yeah, right, this thing. I should track this thing down. And then and then you you start looking into it, and you're like, oh, there's like the nine different versions, and then you know there's. There's uh, Mortal Kombat New Era, and that's like, you find YouTube videos that are like, beta version 3, and you're like, that's from 2022, surely must some work must have been done since then, but there's no like, a good official news site, and half the sites are in Spanish, because that's, the the, the audience for Mujin is, is uh, worldwide, and by worldwide, I mean it's uh, huge in, in uh, Spanish-speaking parts of the world, as far as I can tell, Um and uh and and so all of the links are fucking weird and dicey and um and it's not hard to find you know it's like a 10 gig download or something but you're you're never sure like is this the latest one is this the, is there something newer like i need to find 
some kind of official news site that keeps up with this stuff. There's got to be some message board somewhere. Uh, and then you find yourself crawling some message board and you're like, this, no one's posted to this thread in like two years. This is not going to be the latest information. What the hell am I even looking? What the hell am I even looking at? And then there was an offshoot of new era called chaotic new era. And I found that one. Uh, and that seemed to be updated more recently than regular new era. So I'm like, okay, well, this seems like the, the, if I want it to be as broken as possible, then I want someone's mod of this weird offshoot thing that adds even more ridiculous characters to it. Uh, and it's basically, it's a fighting game that has roughly the rules of like a Mortal Kombat trilogy. Uh, if you remember, that game had brutalities in it for the first time, as well as the aggressor bar that would fill as you as you attack. It also has um, combo breakers in it, which the Mortal Kombat trilogy did not have. Um <clears throat> And it's totally broken and ridiculous. And so I downloaded that and just started messing with it. And it's a mess. There's no nice way of putting it. It's a disaster. Uh, but it's like, it's gorgeous. And the combo potential for some of these characters with the ridiculous moves that they have put into this thing are just wild. It's stuff like, like here's a simple, here's a very simple example that like is not, uh, as broken as some of the other stuff, but we'll hopefully kind of illustrate Scorpion. You know, he does his teleport punch and he goes out the back of the screen and comes back in the other side. Um, what if he could do that forwards also? And that's uh, something that I feel like has been toyed with off and on in, in some of these mods and some of this other stuff. Um, but it creates a situation where you're like, Oh, well, what if I do an air combo and then immediately uh, like I, an air pu- jump punch, and then immediately combo into the air version of the forward teleport punch to hit them forward. Then I land. Then I continue this combo, and 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 so it it creates a lot of weird situations where you can just kind of keep people in the air for a while. It has the maximum damage thing that I believe trilogy also had, where if you have a combo that just does too much damage or has too many hits. It just knocks both players down and it just says maximum damage on the screen. It's like a really cheap way out instead of like balancing a game and, and trying to avoid infinites and trying to avoid uh, a bunch of weird combo potential of just like, oh, let's just have a hard out here where if this happens and they put that that was in an actual Mortal Kombat. Well, I believe it was in Mortal Kombat Trilogy, which I don't know if you consider Mortal Kombat Trilogy to be an actual Mortal Kombat game. I do not. It was made by a different team, different studio. It's like it, it, like trilogy is practically a ROM hack on its own. Um, but yeah, four. Yeah, you're right. Yes, uh, Rainbow Rainbow Fission in the chat. Hello. Um, I believe Immortal Kombat Four had it as well. So yeah, maybe maybe it, it was. Maybe that is its one uh, <clears throat> brush with actual Mortal Kombat uh, canon, I suppose. Um, if mechanics can be part of a can, I suppose they can. Why wouldn't they be? Um, but yeah, man, it, it's, uh, it's just, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. I don't know. Mujin, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with it, it was originally a software package that came with one character named Kung Fu man. And, um, basically it is a, um, 
you can make your own fighting game characters and stages and you can yeah, kind of make kind of edit some mechanics and, and sort of salty bet is built on this with all of its uh you know ridiculous characters and everything. So over the years people have made a lot of modded crazy you know, like like really crazy characters. You know, it started and, and I think a lot of people were like, Oh man, what if you could make this goes actually way back years before Mujin. This is a game that when I can track down a copy of it, when I can track down a copy of it and get it running reliably, it will be included in the Jeff Gersman Hall of Fame. Spoilers for 2024. Um, a program called SF2 IBM. Um, <clears throat> sometimes known as SF2 Gen. J E N N after the uh the the woman who made some mods uh for it but it is a bootleg Street Fighter 2 for PC for DOS that came out in the early 90s and uh you would use your keyboard to play it and there were text files that that governed how the frames of animation were used and all of this other stuff so as people started pulling this weird bootleg Street Fighter 2 apart they started finding the files for frame data and animations and here's the format that the graphics are stored in. And so people started modding in like Terry Bogard, like Terry Bogard and Andy Bogard were the first two non street fighter characters. I remember seeing show up in this thing. Um, and it was pretty awesome. And then eventually someone uh, came along and said, well, what if we started putting mortal Kombat characters in it? And it's a very crude uh, scripting system and and every, everything. So, um, so they they could really only do so much with it. But they uh, you know eventually put you know Molina and Katana and some other uh, Scorpion and Sub Zero and stuff like that into this like super bootleg like Chinese Street Fighter two for DOS. Um, and it was great. It was fucking awesome. Because there were no, like, the, the, the official versions of Street Fighter 2 that came out and ran in DOS, there's a version of Super, and there's some, they were terrible. Like, the, the latency, the, the, the movement of the characters, everything, it just felt like absolute trash. This felt like garbage, but it felt, somehow felt less like garbage than the official Capcom releases. Um, but it's a disaster, because it looks like someone, you know, it, it looks like someone taking photos of a sort of taking screenshots of the SNES version of street fighter two, and then ripping the sprites out of it that way. And just, just really, uh, really trashy. <laughs> like it's, it's impressive. Um, and, and, uh, when you go back to look at it, it's, it's so, so when Mujin came out all these years later and people started doing all of this other weird stuff with it, it reminded me of that. Uh, and obviously people have run with it and, you know, you have crazy Ronald McDonald and Akuma and, you know, like all this other, uh, you know, all, all of this ridiculous stuff that, that salty bet, I think really did a really great job of putting a spotlight on salty bet is still doing it. Um, it, it's maybe not in the zeitgeist as it was there for, let's call it a year. I don't know. Maybe it was less, but it, it felt like, you know, like salty bet when, when it blew up, it really blew up. It felt like it was like the most important thing. Like I was like, we need to have a TV. that's just showing salty bet all the time in here. We should, uh, we should, uh, devote a screen to salty bet around here. <laughs> 
So it's always on. So it's always there for us. Um, and so this Mortal Kombat chaotic new era thing is is like that, you know. Except you can play it. I mean, you know, you can you can presumably you can if you had access to all of the salty pet stuff, you could probably play it as a video game as well. Uh, you know, just pick up a controller and and don't and don't pick watch mode or or whatever. But um, but obviously the the fun of salty bet is that it is AI fighting each other and all of that all of that sort of stuff. So. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Mortal Kombat Chaotic New Era. Catch it. It's bro it's broken. It's hilarious. Um but also plays a lot more like Mortal Kombat than you would think. I don't know. Like I, I feel like for the longest time, the the early day well, I guess what we could call them the early days now, but like the early days of Mujin. Which it never feels like I'm pronouncing it properly when I say it out loud. No matter how I pronounce it, it always feels wrong. Um like it always felt like something that was just going to be used to create Street Fighter like characters and Street Fighter like fighting games. So the the degree to which this feels Mortal Kombat esque is actually pretty impressive. Um, I don't know what they had to do to the engine itself or or how the characters are built or whatever to to make all that work. But you know, uh, bravo to the insane people that made all of those different characters and made all of that different stuff and. It's like any any character that was even the least bit hinted at in some kind of Mortal Kombat lore or rumor or something like that is probably in there somewhere. There's like seven, a minimum of, let's say, five different versions of Scorpion. Yeah, so is it's, yeah, is it is it hard G, Mugen? Yeah, that's, I yeah, that's, I assume also it is pronounced in the Japanese as well. Um, okay. I'll try to remember that, but it's like a Ubisoft thing where, like, you forget what's right every single time it comes up. Actually, I'm pretty good at Ubisoft, but I feel like Ubisoft at one point changed. At one point, Ubisoft tried to be Ubisoft and then and then went back. <laughs> I think I think there was an era there where I I think there are people internally at Ubisoft that that probably still pronounce it incorrectly. Um. Anyway, so I've been messing with that. I don't know. I uh, go grab a copy of it. it it's uh, well, I don't know. Hey, run it through a virus scanner before you run it. Because not that my copy had anything ill going on in there, but it just you know, it's always that's always the thing, right? You're just like finding th- these downloads on random fucking websites that are l- linked in the bottom of YouTube comments, and you're like, okay, this is. We're digging pretty fucking deep here. This is probably not. This, this is this is not recommended behavior. Microsoft Smart Screen, please save me, save me from myself. Um, let's get into the news. Tekken Eight. It's coming out very soon. All right, that's the news. Now, um. Eurogamer has a story, um, and this is something I went in and looked at. There's a demo out now um, that you can go download and see this for yourself if you so desire. The demo only has a small handful of characters in it. Um, And it has a colorblind mode. 
as someone who is colorblind, I uh, found myself very fascinated by uh, the the. There's a video out there uh, for the accessibility modes for what they're doing for colorblind modes, and there is one filter in there that basically you can make the background all white or all black with like it's it's like you're putting a filter over it so you still see the edges of the buildings and the edges of the lines and all the other stuff that's in the background but it's like a you know it it kind of uh blends the the filter out and then the characters the left side character gets uh vertical stripes black and white stripes on them and the player 2 character gets horizontal stripes so like their entire body is just made up of these stripes um and uh Eurogamer has a story on this so this video went around for a few days um and I was looking at it and going like geez that's that's a weird that's a weird filter it, it kind of it basically strips all of the color out of it um <clears throat> and I was like well I guess that lets you focus on the silhouettes maybe I don't know and I went and tried it for myself um, it's terrible. It's terrible. Uh, for like they bill it as something for color blindness. It might be something that if you had uh low vision, you know, like a, like it, it just seems like a, a mislabeled accessibility setting or something like that. Yes, Rad Jago. It looks like car prototype wraps. Yeah, it kind of looks like it looks like something you're not supposed to be able to take a picture of. You know, like you, you, it's just like, it, it, which is the opposite of what they're probably going for. Cause it feels like they want to make the edges of the characters extremely distinct so that they come out from the background, but it just doesn't work anyway. Um, accessibility specialist is how Eurogamer uh, bills Ian Hamilton on Twitter wrote to Harada, the head of the, Tekken, the head of Tekken over at Namco, the head of, I mean, the head of Velocity, the head of Ridge Racer. Uh, says, you urgently need to remove one of your filters, the striped one. It cannot be present at launch as it may hospitalize players or worse in the same way as the infamous Pokemon episode. The approach with filters in general would benefit from rework. They, gener- from, they generally don't help. The intent was good and the technology is good, but the focus should be on players with low vision, not colorblindness. Filters aren't a fix for colorblindness. And as someone with colorblindness, I will say that's absolutely true. Um, I also don't know, and you know, like I, as someone who is colorblind and there are a ton of different types of colorblindness, I will grant you. I don't think a fighting game needs colorblind filters, uh, especially. Um, It's two characters. One's yours, one's not. You know, if there are situations where someone is, again, it's, it's about the silhouette popping out from the background and so if there are some colors that are too similar maybe the silhouette is not coming at you the right way and i could see some situations where maybe if it's the right colors on the character and the right colors on the background that maybe you would have a little bit of trouble discerning um some of the hits and stuff but the what what they do is i mean they're shading they're putting filters over the entire character um, <clears throat> and there are a few different options other than this striped mode. If you want one that just is a filter that adjusts the entire screen, you can do that. If you want one that actually just like applies color shades to the characters 
So like one entire character is blue and you still see their features behind it. It's not, it's not completely solid color, which would actually be kind of cool in a weird way. Um, you can have like, oh, the left guy is blue and the right one is green or whatever. And then, you know, that will pop out from the background better. And I, maybe that is useful for someone. Again, that that also seems like something that might be better um, for people with, as, as Mr. Hamilton puts it, people with low vision, not necessarily colorblindness. Um, and uh, yeah, as someone who's colorblind, I think the filters in this game are like kind of ridiculous. And um I don't know what they're trying to accomplish with them in terms of them being labeled as like colorblindness filters. I think a lot of colorblindness options, I've talked about it before, a ton of the colorblindness options available in modern video games are garbage. Um, they don't help. They feel like they tint the screen in a way that's just like, it doesn't, it's not helping... The thing I need, if, if this helps, you know, I'm trying to, it, it is always very hard to get people who can see colors normally uh, to understand what color blindness is like. And maybe the filters of like, oh, if you're looking at, you know, like when they, when they say this is what color blindness looks like, like I, I never, I never know for sure. The only, the, 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 the when you tint things, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't help. Um <clears throat> What I would like in games, um, I suppose, is so games will do a thing where uh, this happens in like uh, the the Doom, the the recent Doom games, I believe, do this, um, where like there'll be lights above a door, and then that will determine if the light is something like from a distance you can look at a door and know if it's going to open or not, and if uh, if there's a red light above a door. Apparently that's a thing that you can look at and go, Oh, that door probably doesn't open. I would I think I, I would never trust that because people hide secrets in games all the time and you would want to try every door, but I try every door, not really ever looking at what's going on above the, you know, if there's a light above the door or anything like that. So I don't know if a filter would help in that case, because I'm at this point, I'm so trained to just try all the doors that unless a ton of video games just did something differently or whatever, uh, like it's, uh, I, I don't really know that, that a, a filter helps with that. The only time colorblindness stuff ever works for me. And again, I've said this before it's HUD stuff in like call of duty. And it's the ability to choose the specific colors so that I can choose colors that are distinct for me. That's something that uh, modern Call of Duty does quite well. Past few years here, um, Apex Legends, I believe, does a really good job with this. Respawn's been pretty good. Like, like Titanfall Two, I'm pretty sure has a has a really good setup for this, if I remember correctly. Um, but it's basically like if the enemies have red highlights on them, that doesn't work for me. So I just need to change it to something else, anything else. It could be a bright blue or a green or whatever. Like it, it's uh, it, and and I just want their names to be a different color other than red. And I want their uh, when they when their dots show up on the mini map, if it's red, I might miss them uh, because red doesn't pop for me. I always just think red is a dim color, but apparently that's not the case. Um. Like I was, the, my monitor here has a, a stupid light that comes out of the bottom of it, and you can set the color. Uh, you can set the color of it, and I was fucking with it last night, and I was like, oh, I'm just like cycling through these colors, and like, oh, these are all so bright, 
I was like, oh no, this this red though, this red is good. This red is a nice dim. I don't need it. I don't need it to pop out. And then I thought about it. I was like, oh, maybe this red is like super harsh to people who see colors normally. But for me, it is not a not a very bright color. I have a. I'm trying to think. Like, so a. Uh, uh, I have a. It's it's a it's a little. Um, uh, it it projects stars onto the ceiling. It's for the kids. It's for the kids. But I like it too. Um, no, but it, it's uh, and, and it cycles through colors. If you so desire, you can push the button to change colors, or it will cycle over time. And so it puts stars and the moon and stuff on the the ceiling of your room, and it's nice. Uh, and it cycles through a few colors. I think green is in there. There's a blue or a purple. I don't know which. Um, so think about it that way. I guess if that helps, it makes any sense to you. Like the reason that blue and purple look similar to me is because red does not present itself as dramatically as it does for most people. So the red inside of the purple is subdued in a way that just kind of makes it look similar to blue. Um, and then you get into all the different shades of blue and purple and all this other stuff. And you know, I was, I was setting the, the colors on an app the other day. And one of the options in there said blurple. And I'm like, what the fuck? Is, now you're telling me you got something that's blue and purple. I thought purple already had blue in it. What the fuck are we talking about? Uh, anyway, this thing projects stars on the ceiling in like three different colors. One of them is red. When it switches to red, I can't see it on the ceiling. Like the light, like I can kind of go like, ah, I can maybe make it out ever so, but it's very, very faint. Whereas the other colors are very, you know, bright and noticeable. When it switches to red, I look at the thing and I see red light coming out of it. And I go like, oh, it's, it's on red. But if I look up at the root of the ceiling, I, it doesn't, I, I don't, I can't really see it. So I, that's, that's what it is. Are red traffic lights a problem? No, because they're in the position where they go and they look red. Um, when I tried wearing those uh, colorblind glasses, the uh, what are they? Uh, the in, in chroma glasses, um, and I, I wore them for a couple of weeks. I, I wore them off and on, and then and then and then really tried to dedicate myself to them for a while. And I wore them for a very long time, and then suddenly yellow lights in traffic lights started looking kind of orange to me and taxi cabs started looking what what i think of as orange uh taxis and the yellow lights started looking a little more orange to or what i think of as orange um and so it was this weird moment of like holy shit orange is my favorite color but actually is yellow my favorite color but the with the way I see it, yellow's not my favorite color. Orange is like what's the there's it's weird. It's weird, man. It, it really starts to fuck with your head if you if you really sit and and start to think about it. Um. <clears throat> and uh, anyway, so I I don't know. It's 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 just fucking weird. The Enchroma glasses, I I they came with a and and this is like maddening to me, and I always say it every single time the Enchroma glasses are brought up because every time I talk about this, someone goes like, you should get those glasses. And I'm like, dog, I did. They actually sent, they actually sent some to me. Um, I bought a pair, but then they sent me like a few more. Um, 
and um they all come with like documentation that says like you need to put this on and wear them for like a like like you'll probably need to wear them for a week or a few weeks or a month or whatever like you will need to wear them for a good chunk of time and ultimately yes all they do is they filter light and so you're not even necessarily guaranteed that you're getting an accurate view of color at that point they're filtering light in a way much like a video game filters the colors there that will hopefully make the colors kind of stick out to you a little bit right uh so that you can see the difference in the colors you can't necessarily guarantee that that difference is accurate to i don't pan tone i don't you know whatever the whatever the fuck is accurate color right not to get into too much stoner conversation but at some point we do get down to just like well, how do we even know that the color red to you is the same as it is to me maybe you're maybe everyone's eyes work different man but we would never know that we would never know that bro um anyway the, but so so there were a lot of videos and you saw I, I believe and chroma did kind of promote some of this stuff in some of their marketing um of people putting on the glasses and immediately going oh my god and like crying and like this is what the world look you know and, and it's like that's not the instructions that come with the glasses say hey n- this is not gonna immediately happen like the, the the instructions they give you is you need to dedicate yourself to wearing these for a long time and eventually you will probably notice a change and that's that's how it worked for me eventually i did notice a change and I had moments where I, I had a, uh, it was like a gumball, like a, the, the, the fake, the, the, the real cannonball run, um, the gumball race thing. It was like a, a hoodie that said, and it was like a purple hoodie. I thought it was blue. I never knew. Um, and I looked, I had it in my lap. I was in the car. Um, and I looked down at it and I was like, whoa, fuck. I can kind of see that there's a slight bit of red in this. Huh? Um, and it's actually dangerous at some point when you to be driving a car when you're going through that phase of it because you're going to look at shit and go what and and have a couple of moments there where you're like that doesn't that's not how, that's not how that normally looks weird um and uh yeah so i, I don't know but like that it, the 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 whole thing of of people putting on the glasses and having these like crazy you know youtube influencer moments where they're jumping out of their chair about colors or whatever uh as far as i can tell it's a bunch of horse shit and so the idea that the, the glasses get marketed that way, despite their own documentation saying that that's not how it works, uh, always felt really disingenuous to me. Um, and, uh, yeah, that is not to say that the glasses don't do anything, but you know, it was something where it, it's, it's for me anyway, it was a very subtle thing. And ultimately I, decided that i didn't it was it was not it it wasn't something that was like massively helpful in a way where it was like oh no what it did the the thing it did do is it actually got me in a state where i was more able to talk about color blindness and what it was like for me it gave me a little bit more of the language because the thing the other thing that happens um, and I'll, I'll move on because I, I've talked about a fair amount of this before, but, but the other thing that happens with color blindness is because I know my eyes are unreliable, I don't bother processing color information or, or that's a weird way. I mean, that's not to say that I don't see in color or whatever, 
but since I don't trust it, I don't ca- I don't pay a lot of attention to it. And so someone will say like, "Oh, go um could you go pick this up? It's this pink thing in the other room." And I'm like, "I don't I don't even know what that is." Like colors that I know I would be able to see if I really thought about it and looked at it uh because I don't trust my eyes when people try to describe something as a color, even when it's a color that I am usually able to see like i I just i don't think about objects in that way um i don't i just don't think about the world in i don't don't see color man um i I just don't i just don't think about uh objects and and other stuff that way so when people describe things as color in, in, in a color first kind of way uh it's always a little weird for me there was a theory and i it's probably bullshit but you know i think it's because back in the GameSpot days it felt like half of us were colorblind um at, at one point like in the early 2000s it was just like there was just a lot of colorblind people on staff um and there was a theory i don't think it was just something we came up with i'm pretty sure it was a, an actual theory out there saying that because of that weird ability to kind of discard color information um there was a theory that people who were colorblind might be better at video games in a certain type of way. Obviously color matching and that sort of stuff is going to, you know, you're going to be way worse at, but in terms of just like you're seeing the silhouettes of objects, you're seeing that, you know, you're the, the, the motion, the, the data that you're focusing on, you filtered out some of that color data, I guess. And so you're focusing on something, you know, you're, 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 a little more focused in. I don't think that it's probably bullshit, right? Um, but I don't know. There was some. There was some study. Um, I think <laughs> that that said that maybe that was the, the one of the reasons why colorblind people seemed to be gravitating towards video games or whatever it was. But um, but I, that's probably that's probably bullshit. Um, anyway. Um, this Tekken thing seems ridiculous and, and, and Harada's response is maybe even more ridiculous though. Also, it's a very Harada like response in that he, there's a real, like, don't ask me for shit kind of vibe off of this. Uh, where on the 27th, he posted a few people, albeit very few have either misunderstood the accessibility options we are trying or have only seen the video without actually trying them out in the demo play. We have multiple types of color vision options for players with different color vision, not just one pattern. In addition to that, there's also a brightness adjustment for effects and an overall brightness adjustment. And with those, there's quite a range of adjustments. On top of that, we have never claimed or publicized that these options cover all players' color vision although it has been talked about by a favorable community as a result. These color vision options are a rare part of the fighting game genre, but they are still being researched and we intend to expand upon them in the future. Currently, we have received positive feedback from many demo play participants, but we understand that this option does not address the color vision of all players in the world, said again. We would like to inform you that we have been working with several research institutes and communities to develop this option even before we developed the accessibility version of Tekken 7, not for sale. And Tekken 8. So it sounds like that they started doing accessibility tests on 
the Tekken Seven engine and and you know never sold that or added it to the game or whatever. But they, it's just a weirdly defensive like we've been working with institutes. Some some people have said it's not as good. Well, it's not done. And like, yeah, of course, right? I mean, they're trying to do something. I think they should try to do something. Um. And you know, again, my my color blindness doesn't cover one hundred percent of people's color blindness or or whatever. But also, as someone who's been looking at color blindness options in games for a lot of years now, this seems this doesn't seem actually helpful. Um, and the one with the patterns and stripes and stuff again, it feels like something that they should. If and I mean, I'm not this person, so I guess I wouldn't know. But I'd look at it, and it, it seems like something for people with low vision, not color blindness. Um, and so maybe it's just a case where they will label it differently in the final version of the game, or something like that. But I, I don't, I don't really know why uh, why they are um, why they are doing this. Again, I you know I I don't know the. the I would think the sound effect stuff from Street Fighter Six like uh, is a really kind of cool, kind of low vision uh, sort of option, um, and and stuff in along those lines makes a lot of sense. Um, but you know, making the character green or something, I, 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 yeah, again, I, I don't know what what purpose that is trying to start. That that I don't I don't know that I've of, of the types of genres of games I've seen colorblind people complain about, and the ones that I have had complaints about myself. It has never once been a fighting game. And if it is a fighting game, it's a situation where like, hey, this unblockable attack is going to glow red. And I just don't see the red. But that's not something, that's not what they're addressing here with any of these options. They're making the characters um, different colors and different patterns and all this other stuff and in a way that's just like, I, I don't I don't really know what the goal is there. Well, I know what the goal is. I mean, the goal is to, you know, make the game accessible to a wider audience, right? I mean, that's 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 always the goal. But um but it's just a very strange. Yeah, I don't know. And then, then uh Eurogamer has a bunch of comments from people who were colorblind in here saying like as a colorblind person, this is from someone named Tiago. The colorblind person, most colorblind options suck, and this is no different. I don't know if games will get it right, but these options for me at least are shit. Uh, and then someone else uh, says, also colorblind, these all look like shit and don't help. But yeah, I'm, that's that's where I'm at with it as well. Um, and then, you know, Ian Hamilton, who is actually an accessibility consultant, is saying that the one with the stripes and, and all that stuff is actually potentially dangerous. Uh, to people who might have uh, epilepsy. So that's probably not good either. Uh, we'll see. That game's out pretty soon. I'll, we'll be. I'm curious now to see if they stick with these exact setups or if they're going to try to make any changes along the way. We will see. Um, it's time to upgrade your PC. It's not the start of an ad. That's just, it's, uh, you, you should... Uh, you should uh, you start thinking about it. As of yesterday, Steam no longer officially supports Windows 7, Windows 8, or Windows 8.1. Um, 
and they will no longer issue updates. This, this is uh, that they posted this update a little while ago, uh, I guess. And so uh, existing Steam client installations on these operating systems will no longer receive updates of any kind, including security updates. Steam support will be unable to offer users technical support for issues related to the old operating systems. And Steam will be unable to guarantee continued functionality of Steam on the unsupported operating system versions. Um, in order to ensure continued operation of Steam and any games or other products purchased through Steam, users should update to a more recent version of Windows. We expect the Steam client and the games on those older operating systems to continue running for some time without updates after January 1st, but we are unable to guarantee continued functionality after that date. Well, this is a, and then the version they give actually kind of bums me out. At first I was like, yeah, that shit happens. But now there's a, the change is required as core features in Steam rely on an embedded version of Google Chrome, which no longer functions on older versions of Windows. In addition, future versions of Steam will require Windows features and security updates only present in Windows 10 and above. Ah, well, that's, well, we got to have Chrome, yeah, um... Get Firefox in there, baby. What are we doing? Yeah, you dig down deep enough, everything's fucking... Everything is chromium down there somewhere. Um, we strongly encourage all Windows 7, 8, 8.1 users to update sooner rather than later. Microsoft ended security updates and tech support for Windows 7 in January of 2020 and Windows 8.1 in January of 2023. Computers running these operating systems when connected to the internet are susceptible to new malware and other exploits, which will not be patched. The malware can cause your PC, Steam, and games to perform poorly or crash. That malware can also be used to steal the credentials for your Steam account or other services. Um, I, yeah, I don't think that this necessarily tips their hand about any future features when they say like, oh, we'll require some security updates and stuff only present in Windows 10. Like, eh, I don't, I don't, I wonder what they're going to, what that actually means. But if you, when you go back and you look, if you look at the Steam hardware survey and you look at the OSs being used by people that are actually running Steam, these OSs represent a very small number. It's like two point something percent. It's, it's not a, it's not a huge number. Um, so yeah, and there's a yes, there's a, a similar uh, discontinuation for some versions of Mac OS as well. Um, Windows Seven was a hell of an OS, but you know what? If you're still running Windows Seven because you're just like a fr- I don't you know, and maybe you've got old hardware and you know the mo- more more modern versions of Windows just don't run, and I get it. Like uh, deep down, there's some part of me that wants to go build a PC and put windows XP on it and just have it be like an era appropriate weird little thing that I can run old games on, you know? Um, but you know, I, I guess I don't know. I, I, I don't know if the hardware requirements are, um, for windows 10 are actually dramatically different than windows seven to the point where a windows 10 machine would run way worse or, or whatever. I remember the time the upgrade path from seven and eight 
2.10 was not actually like it wasn't like a necessarily heavier OS. It was just a different OS, you know, or it's not even really, it's not really that different. The thing is, is windows 10 is uh kind of um, on its way out itself. This is the, the, the problem with modern windows. Um, man, I, I ran windows eight. I ran windows 8.1 windows 8.1 fixed just about everything that people hated about windows eight. Um, and the only thing people really hated about windows eight was the start menu because they tried to make it this big full screen, gaudy touchscreen interface. And they, you know, it was like their push for unified, uh, a unified UI for all versions of windows, regardless of where they were running the Metro UI, the, you know, like, Hey, it's running on a surface. So it needs to be a touchscreen. It needs to be this. It needs to be, um, windows eight was fine in terms of like running shit and all of that and you could configure it in a way that got rid of that metro ui was not that you know at the end of the day it was not that big a deal like windows 8 was not that for as for as much as people were up in arms about it 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 was kind of whatever i think um and then windows 10 came out and i feel like it kind of like you know ended that conversation in a lot of ways windows 10 hell of an os Great OS windows back on track. You're like, ah, fuck yeah, man. Windows 10. Now that's a, now that's a goddamn operating system. I haven't been this happy since I had Microsoft Bob installed. Am I right? Woo. We love windows 10, but windows 10 is also now kind of reaching its end of life. They're doing a thing where they're going to like for enterprise, probably for enterprise customers. But if you give Microsoft some more money, they will support windows 10 longer. Uh, I think is what they're is what the 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 move is there, and they want people to move to Windows 11. However, Windows 11 has a ton of security requirements, uh, where you need a TPM module, which you know is is something that only relatively modern, I guess, motherboards are going to have support for that. You can go buy an external TPM module uh, at some point, you know, in some motherboards you could, you could do that. Um, mine, uh, this, this PC here has it. Uh, my old, my previous PC, however, does not. So I have a windows 10 machine. My server machine runs windows 10. And every time you go run update, it says, Oh, your computer doesn't currently support windows 11. Keep checking back. And you're like, motherfucker, it's never going to support TPM. 2.0 or whatever the security requirements are for Windows 11. There are ways around it. If you want to hack a copy of Windows 11 onto your Windows 10 machine, you can do it. And I think plenty of people have done that and found that it actually works fine. But, I, you know, that's a, that's definitely a your mileage may vary kind of fucking thing, right? And so it's this weird situation now where Windows 10 is is completely going out of style. They are looking to end updates for that uh, and and everything. But they can't just say, like, like, you know, they're saying here, like, oh, you should upgrade is what they're saying for these Windows 7 users. Like, hey, you should run, a, you should get, I don't know, get Windows 10 or something, which you could do probably, I, you know, but Windows 11 does not support a lot of those older machines because of its requirements around the, some of these kind of secured computing concepts and, and whatever, you know, whatever specific things you need for windows 11 to go, Oh yeah, you're secure. You're good. Um, it's kind of crazy 
And I thought when Windows 11 came out and they were doing this thing of like, oh, it's it's not going to work with every machine. I thought for sure it would be like two years in or whatever. And they'd be like, hey, we're relaxing the requirements on Windows 11 so that more machines can install it because it's the current version of Windows. And we want everyone to run that um, because we don't want them to run old Windows because we don't support them. And like we need to get these older versions of Windows off the fucking network. But they they didn't. They never they never budged on this whole security thing. And security is cool, right? I mean, hey, security is cool. Kids, let me tell you about being secure. You got to put a sock on the pickle. Now, Windows 11. If your motherboard doesn't support the sock, then your pickle is going to run Windows 10. That's the long and the short of it. Mostly the short of it, unfortunately. But yeah. So I, I don't like that's a, it's a very weird thing to me um, that that they obviously would want everyone to move to Windows 11, but because of the changes they have made with security, like you, you physically can't do it. I mean, unless you do a bunch of weird shit where you're like, oh, okay, we're gonna add my old CPU to the list and hack it on there, and then it will upgrade, and we'll see if it works and. Like I said, some people have had great success with that and some people have not. I keep thinking about doing it with my old machine with like a 6700K or something. Uh, it runs fine for what I need it to do. Um, but I cannot install Windows 11 on it because the motherboard does not support any of that shit. I'm not going to go replace a motherboard just to fucking install Windows 11. Are you kidding me? Get fucked. And so like, I, I don't know. Like, you know you really start to wonder like when they get to the next version of windows. Um, and you started to see like, there's a little bit of loose talk about, you know, oh windows 12 is going to be this and you know, whatever. Like you almost wonder like, are they going to, will they ever walk this stuff back and be like, Hey, windows 12 is going to be something that everyone can run because we have to, because we have to get these machines off windows 10. Um, I don't, I just, I, yeah, it just feels like a very, you know, at some point they do want to cut off and say, hey, everyone should have, a, you know, like if you're going to be a modern computer on the modern internet, you're going to need to, um, you're, you're going to need to be uh, relatively newish so that you can be running this TPM module and, and be secure and all this other stuff. But I wonder if they're just figuring that people will upgrade or if people will just say, uh, how about get fucked and we're just going to put Linux on this thing instead. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's the answer, but, um, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. The, the almost cavalier nature that Microsoft behaved with when windows 11 came out, that they were ready to just go like, yeah, man, fuck, fuck them all. Fuck all these old machines. We don't care. You should get a new one. Like what? Microsoft barely even sells machines. Why are they? Why are they doing this? Um, anyway, Steam. You should probably try to get Windows 10. Uh, there were some holiday price cuts around this, and Facebook has decided, I'm sorry, Meta has decided to make these official. The Meta Quest 2. Um, has been cut in price. The 120 gigabyte model is now two forty nine ninety nine. Um, 
and the 256 gig model is 299.99 and they've got refurbished prices as well so price cut on the quest 2 um don't forget that they raised prices and all of that stuff not all that long ago so presenting this as a price cut is uh Hilarious. Of course, the Quest 3 is still significantly more expensive than that. Um, and they, so this is on their, they, they, they put out a blog post. That, so they're cutting some accessory prices too. So if you, if you wanted to get in on VR on a PC and, uh, you know, not spend all that kind of money, the Quest 2 is an acceptable headset. Um, and it's uh it's available uh, cheaper now they, <laughs> you know but again i feel like anyone who wanted vr probably already made these choices i don't like i don't know if there's too many people sitting on the fence like when the price gets a little bit lower i'm going to get it on quest 2 you know i'm sure there's some people in that boat um but they're like i don't know, much like the, 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 this the some of the text on this is All right, I'll just read. Much like Quest 3 made waves as the first mass-market mixed-reality headset to hit shelves, Quest 2 paved the way by ushering VR into the mainstream. And with our new pricing, it remains the most affordable way to get into VR and experience all that our industry-leading content ecosystem has to offer. That's 500-plus titles, including our recent hit Asgard's Wrath 2, which scored a perfect 10 out of 10 from IGN. Um... And then the last sentence. The hype train's about to leave the station. Time to get on board. And then a train emoji. That's how they ended their news about the price cut. Hey, man. Hype train's about to leave the station. You should really get in on one of these headsets now. Like, I... Dog. The hype train left the station and has not been seen since... The Quest 1 came out. Dog. The hype train pulled into the station when you fulfilled Kickstarter orders. And when the Vive came out. And then after that, it's not been a train leaving a station. It's been a little bit more like a plane crashing into the fucking ground. Hasn't it? I think... Maybe they... You know, it sounds like that they maybe had an okay holiday. I, I haven't really dug into it too too deeply um for for hardware sales but you know the, the it's, it just seems like the lasting legacy of vr is that people buy one and use it for a couple of days and they go all right and the people get sick and that there's no such thing as vr legs and there's no such you know and then there's some people who are just gonna immediately get sick and uh more and more games are selecting to be at the extreme end of mobility and motion and all of those sorts of things, because the only people still playing VR are the people that want those high end out there experiences. And so it's probably becoming even more and more unfriendly to new players in a weird way. Um, what a used quest Two? Keith games asks, would a used quest Two be good enough to enjoy half-life Alex? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, a game like Half-Life Alex, you know, when you're running this stuff on the PC, 
Um, it's really the power of the PC that is going to be driving the experience. And so the headset itself, the Quest 2, um, which my Quest 2 is all banged up and funky, but, you know, yes, a, a, a functional sound Quest 2, um, you could absolutely play that game that way. There are things that they built in that game specifically for the current, like, Valve, like, knuckle controllers, whatever they're, the, the index controllers, but they have adapted that game for obviously, you know, every, everything I think at this point, uh, worth a damn is going to try to support the Oculus or the, the, the quest controllers because they seem to be the ones that sell the best. You can install steam link directly onto the quest Two and wirelessly connect it to your PC. Like it's a relatively smooth experience in that sense. Um, and, uh, and that stuff's neat. It's, it's neat that they've come that far, uh, in so far as like, they've made it easier to experience PC VR, um, without having to hang a bunch of stuff on your walls, which no one's going to do. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know. Um, the hype train is rolling into the, 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 I'm sorry, the hype train's about to leave the station. It's time to get on board. That goes for you at home. It's time to get on board. It's time to get on board the hype train. I don't know. It's, uh, I, I should probably try Asgard's Wrath 2, considering um, how much raving has been done about it. Um, when I see footage of it and look at the type of game it is, I kind of just look at it and go like, yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. Like it looks like another, another fucking VR game. Um, there was also a public beta release of, uh, a piece of software that basically can inject VR into what they're claiming any unreal engine four or five game. Uh, and so I don't know, I was watching some video from several months ago with an earlier version of this, where they were playing Tony Hawk's pro skater one plus two, um, being behind, you know, like basically being at the camera point in that game, but being able to look around and, and, and do stuff in VR. And I was like, that's dumb, but that seems kind of cool. Um, like it's 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 neat that you can do that i you know i i would that looks like something i would do exactly once and uh and maybe i will do that exactly once one of these days but but then you gotta in, just install you know get the injector going and then you gotta tether the thing to the thing and do it and it's like at some point it's just like i you know that stuff looks really cool but like by the time i get done setting it all up i'll be like all right let's play this for five minutes and go all right great Cool. Let's turn all this off and put it away now. Um, I but I want to get back into VR. I kind of I just I want to kind of see where VR is at and and just kind of get a better read on it because I feel like a lot of people a lot of people who have experience developing VR games I I've been seeing them talk about just how bad of a spot stuff seems to be in these days or or you know how uninteresting a lot of it is and you know the the playstation vr2 came out and just kind of it's there you can you can do it speaking of technology ces is next week the consumer electronics show I'm proud to announce I am uh, once again not going to the show. <laughs> um, 
we'll see what's there, right? I don't, I don't, you know, there, there's, uh, we're starting to see some small little bits of info about the next series of NVIDIA cards, but they seem like they're significantly further off. I doubt we would see anything, um, from the 50 series here, but, but it sounds like they're going to slap the word super on the end of some of their 40 series cards and, or as a TI or whatever. So the, you know, NVIDIA will likely have some kind of, um, smallish, uh, upgrade there. Uh, oh, and hopefully make these things more reasonable. That was some of the, some of the talk I saw around the 50 series cards. Um, was this idea of, Hey man, NVIDIA really fucked up. And I'm like, Oh yeah, huh? I guess they, I suppose they did. Um, specifically on price because of how ridiculous the current generation of graphics cards are price wise. Like they, it's not to say that they are unpowerful. Um, that's a word, right? Unpower. Um, but the use case for them with the price point and all of that stuff, when you, when you kind of plot that out on a chart, it's, it's, it's very, uh, exclusionary in a way and and that the suggestion was that perhaps when we get to the next series of cards the the 5000 the 50 the 5090 um that potentially they could try to aim at something that might be a little bit more affordable for a wider range of people uh i have my doubts um on on that particular, you know, Nvidia going like, yeah, man, we've found a way to make these uh, more uh, less expensive, but also more powerful. Like that's not how any of this ever works, especially at a time when these graphics cards can also be used for crunching numbers in a in AI, in in machine learning, whatever bullshit terminology we're using these days. Uh, to generate fake images of John Cena fucking a police car, you know, wh- whatever it is you're doing when you need to install these things locally, uh, make your voice sound like the Dracula flow guy, you know, just like wh- whatever the crazy taxi announcer, wh- whatever it is you're doing with your graphics card in the privacy of your own home. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, that it's, it's not quite the, uh, the days of cryptocurrency mining and that sort of thing, stripping the demand or, or, or you're really fucking up the demand for graphics cards. But this AI stuff is probably going to fuck it up in a handful of ways too. Um, if it hasn't already. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what the, yeah, what these super, uh, what these super cards end up being, you know, there's another 10% boost or something. But yeah, hopefully the, this, I feel like we need price cuts on this stuff, you know, um, and and meet in the middle somewhere because the AMD cards feel very underpowered when I look at them, uh, and the Nvidia cards are powerful. Well, I don't know, you know, to, to have the longer conversation, we'll, we'll probably have it when we start talking about kind of the year in review review game of the year stuff. But like, hey man, these forty nineties came out and they're cool. Um, they're not, they're not, not cool, but also it was a year when we had a lot of rough launching PC games that didn't often support all of the bells and whistles. And, you know, like even, 
you know we're we're at a case where a game like call of duty supports ray tracing only in the menus <laughs> and not in game and on top of that ray tracing is neat but not that neat honestly the thing the thing the reason i still feel really good about the purchase of a 4090 um is because of the video encoding on it encoding uh, to AV1 the AV1 codec and being able to do that and there are far cheaper ways to uh have hardware uh, AV1 encoding than to buy a 4090 it just so happens that a 4090 also runs the games better in a lot of cases so it felt uh very uh like a good uh, uh merging of my interests coming together there when it was like hey man you could see the crazy lights in these video games and also this video right now is being saved to my hard drive in AV1. My my local recording spits out an AV1 because YouTube will take AV1 uploads and I can, if I need to touch it, I can touch it and edit it and spit it out in AV1 all over again and like, like that, like nothing, like boom. And it's cool. Um, Just need more Plex clients to start supporting AV1, and then then you'll see some serious shit. I just heard a weird pop and a click, and is there, are we still here? What's going on? Okay, all right. I don't know. Um. Anyway, CES is coming next week, and if you are, if you like me, are a fan of um bullshit AI garbage. I think this CES is going to be a real special one. I think we're going to see a buttload of bad ideas, uh, of bad ideas that are hooked up to chat GPT. Like a refrigerator that is like, Hey, um, judging by how often you've opened it. Hey, well, you might need to get some more milk. I've gone ahead and, uh, I've, I've drawn up a, a grocery list based on this and then, um, Hey, you're throwing away a lot of this, uh, a lot of stuff lately. And, and, and as your AI powered trash can, I just want to say it's filling up. So you might want to take it. You might want to take me out. You want to take me out and dump me by this rate. I'm thinking it'll be ready by, uh, you know, this thing's going to be full by tomorrow afternoon. So you're going to have to empty me sooner rather than later. Please stop cramming. Please don't put your foot in me to push the, the garbage down. That's not nice. I have feelings. Um, maybe a microwave that could watch the fucking, I wouldn't trust it. I wouldn't trust it. I was about to say a microwave that actually fucking watched the food and said like, Oh yeah, it's actually cooked now and it's cooked. Right. Like I don't want a popcorn button. I want to put the popcorn in and then it goes, Oh, popcorn. Yeah, I'm on it dog. And it just does it. Cause the popcorn button doesn't fucking work. They've been putting sensors and weird shit in microwaves for years. They fucking don't work, man. And also, who does it? Who uses them? Who knows how? You're like, I was reading at the back of some fucking bullshit microwavable trash because I'm a garbage dump of a human being and I don't deserve proper food. And it was like, put this in the microwave on 50% power for two minutes. And then full power for another minute. I'm like, are you fucking high? 
Are you what kind of fucking? What, you think I have time to sit there and fucking sit there and go, like, mm-hmm, do this and and do yeah or yeah, yeah like no, I'm going to put that in there for three minutes and if it comes out overcooked, hey, it's a microwave. Who fucking cares? Because when you do it, you know, in the rare event where you're feeling fancy, the rare event where I've been like, well, I am a, I am a fancy boy and I deserve nice things, and you actually follow the directions as written. It's not like the food comes out fucking better. Yeah, who's yeah? Oh, you you, uh, you open it up, uh, peel the flap on this garbage food you're eating, and stir it ever so gently, and then put it back in for another forty five seconds. Get fucked, America! I got oh. who's got the time? If I had that kind of time, I'd be making real food. If I if I had that level of care. I would be preparing food for real instead of throwing shit in a microwave, blowing the Lord's bubbles. This shit ain't nothing to me, man. I'm I knew that the breakfast sausages were going to be rubbery and burnt, but I ate them anyway because I'm a gremlin. Anyway. This is the wrong flavor. This is a rainbow sherbet. I uh, I was supposed to get... Uh, I thought that these were... I didn't even look because they were... It was like, here's four orange dreamsicles. And then I cracked this open. And I was like, whoa, that's not an orange dream sickle. God damn it. Um, anyway, that's the news. We'll have more CES next week. Uh, NVIDIA has a press conference. I don't, I don't, you know, Sony always has a keynote address. And there's always like some passing mention of some PlayStation thing somewhere in there but it's usually like didn't they talk about the gran turismo movie last year i forget what it was but it was like it's just very it's not you don't need to care about ces even if you care about pc hardware and i and i do um that is something you can read after the fact the idea of watching live streamed uh well you know if you like dumb shit i I think the ces keynotes have, have actually been pretty good over the years of just like here's a celebrity that's going to walk out here and tell tell you that the this Qualcomm these Snapdragon chips are fucking crazy. I'm Ryan Reynolds and these Snapdragon chips you could make a TV show on these things, you know, or, or whatever fucking crazy shit. It's like I'm in the was I'm in the Star Wars movie and these phones are crazy. Great, thanks. <laughs> it's like somehow even dumber than game press conferences. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, you know, I don't know. At this point, like, if if Sony's going to do a keynote, I would expect them to say, like, "Hey, the PlayStation Portal is cool," and maybe they put them back into stock, you know, to coincide with that. If they've been out, they've been out of stock for a while, right? I don't know. Um, and and so maybe they get back to maybe they just talk about that. Do I think that any game companies will shift back to CES? Absolutely not. It is just not the time of year for. Like no one needs to to talk about their upcoming game lineup in January 
and and also um it'd be more likely for the game awards to kind of become which it, it actually did last year i got invited to way more events around the game awards this last year than i did the year before um and it's because that they know that the people that cover games will be, will you know potentially be there and enough of them will be there that it's worth their money to go get a hotel room in the area and set up some games just be like hey here um you know we we brought uh Tekken Tekken was there i think people just posted their Tekken stuff like last week or week before or whatever it was um they're like hey we got a hotel room and or we got an event space and then here's Tekken and uh, you can come, you know, if you're in town for the Game Awards, come through and see Tekken. And whatever these other four games are. So, you know, yeah. No, no, so that's that's December. So you don't need to then go to CES. Uh, because they can't guarantee that people that cover games are going to CES. Because people that cover games don't go to CES. So if they want to attract a, like a mainstream tech audience and some of the other stuff that does go to cover CES, then yes. And sometimes you'll see like uh, uh, third-party controller manufacturers, especially if their controllers work with phones. They'll be like, "Yeah, we got a booth at CES. Come on by." And so this is the, a few a few little things like that. But in terms of like new announcements of video games, it, it's just not the it's not the right place for it, and it's not the right time of year for it either. So so no, the a lack of E3 does not mean that everyone will go back to CES. It just means that you know people will still make their announcements in the in the summer time frame because they're about they want to start taking pre-orders for games that are coming out in November, you know, and so that that June-ish spot, summer game fest, is already right there. If they don't want to do that and they can wait until later in the summer, then Gamescom is there, and that attracts enough of a worldwide audience now in terms of. People seeing the coverage of games and seeing trailers that they could do it there. Or they could just put out a trailer and say pre-orders are open now. They could write a post and put it on the PlayStation blog and, you know, take pre-orders and, and whatever, you know. Um, but no, they don't They don't need to, like, magically go back to CES after all these years and be like, well, hey, what, uh, we're here to, um, can we, can we show some games? Which I'm sure CES would love it. CES paid us to go cover CES one year. Um, they, or rather they paid for a GameSpot booth at CES. And so we went, it was the last time I went to CES. I forget what year it was. Um, but we went and there were, we took like two appointments and there was no one to fucking see because game companies don't come to CES, but they want, what they wanted to do is they wanted to be able to say to game companies, well, GameSpot's got a booth. You should get a booth. And then, you know, like the people that are covering games will be at CES. So you should show your games there. And so it was like this weird chicken and egg thing. And then we ended up just standing around and going like, this is, I mean, I guess, I don't know. Let's go do Las Vegas shit because there's no games here. Um, and we were right next to the Case Logic booth. And they had a half pipe set up and Tony Hawk was skating. So we got to watch Tony. We got to... After hours, we went and ran around on their half pipe when no one was looking. But we did not have a skateboard. So, not that I would have fucking been able I'm, I'm, I'm not going to fucking skateboard in a half pipe. I'm not going to skateboard. In a, I, don't, I don't know how to fucking ride a goddamn skateboard. So, yeah, I don't know. Free trip to Las Vegas with like zero responsibility. It was all right. It was all right. 
Um, why don't we get into some emails? Podcast at guard.bike is the email address. You can send your emails into me. And I'll take a look at them. Some of them will end up on the show. Weird how that works. Travis wrote in yesterday. Said, I just spent a lovely New Year's Eve with some close friends where I brought the Nintendo Switch. And we played a bunch of games well after the ball dropped. The game we spent the vast majority of time with was Windjammers 1, because even the people that had very little experience with video games were able to pick up and play the game and immediately get some enjoyment out of it. At one point, we did switch to Windjammers 2, but everyone quickly dismissed it as too complicated after 15 minutes and went back to Windjammers 1. Personally, having put dozens of hours into both games, I would concede that Windjammers 2 is the objectively better game as the new mechanics such as jumping, slapping, or drop-shotting the disc over the net completely rounds out the play experience, similar to how Reverts perfected the the combo scoring system in Tony Hawk 3. Uh, However, with the introduction of so many mechanics in Windjammers 2, it completely destroys the game's initial appeal of being easy to pick up and play like Windjammers 1. My question is... How do you feel about the balancing act developers need to achieve in order to make an arcade game easy to pick up while still having significant depth to keep people playing for years? Did Windjammers 2 fail because it wasn't able to reach a casual audience? Or was it not made for them to begin with? Uh, both. I, you know, I, I agree. I, I played some Windjammers 2 and enjoyed my time with it, but ultimately... Um... It's just, you know, it, it, it does, it loses a lot of that pick up and play kind of uh, action that the first game has. And you could argue that if everyone playing the game is at the same skill level, that maybe they're going to still have an okay time with it because they can just ignore some of those buttons and, you know, maybe they'll, someone will learn it and they'll get better for a while and then someone else will learn it and they'll catch up and, you know, so you can... You could see a, a path where, you know, that second game could work that way. But if you, a person who has played a lot of Windjammers too, are there fucking it up for them, then yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have a bad time. But also, you know, they're gonna try to do too much too soon, and they're gonna go, I don't, I don't know when to do what and why, and I don't know. Windjammers one's just easy, and 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 I think that there is a purity to Windjammers one that the second game lacks. Uh, the second game just straight up doesn't have. And it, this was something when I went and played Windjammers 2 at PAX, like pre-release, I was like, this is neat, but I don't know, man. I don't know that this is something that needs to like these mechanics that they're adding to the game. Like you, you like on paper, they make a lot of sense. And in practice you go like, yeah, maybe this is not what I want to do in this game. Um, and uh, I think that's that game's big problem. That and it's you know it's a it's a competitive multiplayer game coming out into a landscape where there are a zillion of those, and that's not going to be one that stands out. And so almost immediately, you had a situation where there were not a lot of people playing it online. And so for me, as someone who was like, oh man, Windjammers Two is coming out, it's got online play, that's going to be great. And you're like, oh wait, right. 
It, it, it even came out on Game Pass and it was still, it got pretty hard to find a game pretty quickly. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think Windjammers 1 is, is just a better, more pure experience. And, and, you know, obviously you could just play Windjammers 2 and ignore some buttons. Um, but I, you know, it's not, it's not always as simple as that. Right. And so I, I think that's a really hard, it is a really hard balancing act. Right. I mean, it's something that I think the best arcade games of that era do pull off. Um, but like, you know, the, the, there are games that have complex depth that still manage to be easy to pick up and play. And so that's how you end up in that situation where you're like, okay, as long as you've got an even playing field amongst the skill levels of the players in this game right now, you'll have a good time. The one I always think about is Tekken. Um, Virtua Fighter probably fits with this a little bit as well because it's very mashy. Both games. Uh, you can just hammer out the buttons and have a good time and you'll learn something and go like, oh, if I hit forward in this, he goes forward with his elbow. And then you win for 20 minutes until someone finds a way to counter it. And then, the, you know, and you kind of have that back and forth. I think that's a great time. I think it's a great time. But obviously, the people who are really, really, really good at Tekken or Virtua Fighter, they are p- practically playing a different video game at that point, you know? Um, uh, Vaporware in the chat says Rocket League finds a good balance. Yeah, Rocket League is probably another good one of those where, like, I had fun with Rocket League until people started trying to take it a little bit more seriously. And then I was like, I, I don't want to devote a level of time and dedication to this to reach whatever the next level is. I'm having fun down here, flying around, goofing around, whatever. But then if I'm losing six to two or whatever every time, it's like, eh, all right. At some point, it's like, okay, I don't, I just kind of don't want to do this any, anymore, you know? Um, and so that's that's always going to be the option for every player. Like either you like it enough and you you feel like you you want to reach that next level or you're like, "Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, if everyone has moved on from this style of play because everyone left playing it is better, I don't I don't want to put in the time or the effort it would take to get there. Um or maybe I couldn't get there, you know, depending on the game. Um and I'm good. I'm okay. So um yeah, but but Rocket League is probably a good one too where like if you're with a bunch of players who are all new to Rocket League it's it's a I th- I think it's a great time and I think anyone can have a great time with that game. Um but when it ramps up, I I personally found it to be something I basically was like, ah, I I reached a point with it a few months after it came out, I think, where I was basically just like, I I don't think I'll play this game ever again. And I have pretty much held to that. I'm just like, yep, all right, I'm uninstalling Rocket League. Overwatch, same type deal. Um, but Overwatch, I don't, I don't think it's nearly as friendly um, to, to brand new players as, uh, as it could be. Um, but maybe, you know, they don't, they're not necessarily making that game that way anyway. Um, yeah, but I think that's very hard uh, finding a game that people can, and, and it, arcade developers kind of needed to do that right they, that was the home run they were trying to hit every time of like we want people to put in one quarter and feel like they've got a handle on this 
but also we want them to put in over a period of time a hundred quarters or a thousand quarters or whatever. We want them to keep coming back and keep improving just enough to keep them coming back and get, you know, and, and trying to find ways to, to string people along and, and keep people engaged and, and all of the things that we kind of associate with like mobile games and stuff like that now, right. Is, is like, uh, like arcades or, or weirdly, um, analogous to, to some of, some of that stuff. Um, But yeah, you know, ideally arcade games are something that you inherently, at least of the 80s, right? Um, well, no, I mean, you, know, you want to be able to walk up to it, put your money in it, and be okay at it, and and basically understand what's going on mechanically. Um, and not every game was good at that. That's a hard thing to do. And and so, you know, figuring all of that out and, and in the three minutes that your quarter lasts back then, you know, that wasn't always a thing. Um, but yeah, I think Windjammers 2, to answer the actual question, yes, Windjammers 2, I think is, is, um, in some ways overly complicated. It's a game that feels like it was built for people that never stopped playing Windjammers 1. Uh, but as someone who kind of never stopped playing Windjammers 1, even I found myself going like, yeah, this is, uh, hardcore in a way that I don't want, I don't want to play Windjammers this way. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I, I just kind of, I hit a wall with it very early on and, uh, I had a really good time with it that first week playing some online matches. Um, and that's kind of it. And I, I forgot that, that game, it's, it's sad to think about, like after all the time spent thinking about wind jammers too, after all the energy that myself and some of the folks perhaps around me put into the joke of let's make it of, of wind jammers too. They finally went and made a wind jammers too. It's okay. <laughs> um, Josh from Durham writes in, uh, because he is confused about recent game of the year lists. Does not get specific about which lists but says, why are DLCs and add-ons being included in so many Game of the Year lists recently? Personally, I think remakes should be excluded as well, but I can understand those far more readily than DLC being discussed as if it were an entirely new game. Um, Because it's, you know, because it's a person's personal list and, and they can make their own rules and who cares? Is the actual, the actual answer is who cares? I, I, and you know, if we really want to break it down because you're talking about excluding DLC, sometimes DLC costs as much as a smaller indie game, you know, like, or, or, you know, if it, if DLC is 20 bucks or 30 bucks, like that's, there are a lot of games that cost that amount of money. So at some point it's the same amount of money. Why not put it on the same list? Um, I think DLC ends up when I, when I think about DLC, and trying to and it and it potentially standing out in a year end DLC or a year end game of the year like capacity, I think it is something. It is a very uphill battle. Um, because a game has come out, it is come and gone, and now you're like, here's a little bit more of it. We're like, okay, well, I already played this. 
So it, if it's just more of the same, um, that's probably not something that's going to make my list, even if it was one of my favorite games of the year that it came out or a few years ago. Like, I, you know, that's just not that interesting to me. Um, but if it's if it is as long as, you know, why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it be included? I guess is the, is the thing. Where are you going to include it? Are you going to have people's personal lists suddenly have a bunch of categories? Some people do that. I don't know. The answer is who cares? The answer is uh, take this stuff about as seriously as it deserves, which is to say it's someone who threw together a list or a group of people who threw together a list of things they liked and, you know, the numbering and all of that sort of stuff. It's like, you know, whatever. And it was always that way. I mean, the the joke of it is that you take the arguments super seriously because it's kind of funny to have ridiculous arguments about games that are, you know, not in, not similar in any way, shape, or form, and you're having to quantify them in these ridiculous ways and all that, you know, like it's uh about as serious as it needs to be. And so why not put DLC on the list? Because at that point you're like, well, why why would you put a two hour indie game on it? You know, like you can find any way to disqualify just about anything on your list. You know, you could say, oh well Street Fighter Six is interesting, but it won't be f- complete until all the DLC is out, and then we should include it. You know, th- there you could you could turn that argument around in like a, a zillion different ways that that are just as frustrating, <laughs> um, and 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 don't get you anywhere. So I don't know. It's uh, ultimately when you make your list, I would say feel free to not put any DLC on it. I don't think that there will be any DLC on mine for whatever that's worth. I can't think of any. Um, but I don't know. Um, <clears throat> someone whose name I will not include sent me. Oh, man. Uh, sent me a free year of Discovery Plus so that I could potentially watch, I don't know, Ice Road Fuckers or, you know, like Alaskan Alaskan Dick Riders or, you know, whatever these television shows are. Um, so that I can check out some, yes, some Animal Black Ops and, and, and all of this good stuff. So uh, thank you for that. I will redeem that when I get a chance. And... um We'll check out some uh, bad boys Amish edition. I don't. I don't. I could go. I could go read the list. Um. This this person wanted me to respond to the email in writing, but I'm not going to. Uh. Says this is not a podcast email. Please take two minutes of your day and respond to my email and tell me what you thought of Symphony of the Night. I'm just going to hit reply on this and type it good. Um, 
Symphony of the Night. It's, it's an amazing video game. What it's, it's I, I I I like that video game a lot. I played through it. Uh, let's call it probably like nine or ten months ago. I don't know. Um, uh, again, and um, I I love that game. Hell of a game. Great game. I think perhaps the the uh, handheld Castlevanias that came afterwards. Some of those are almost certainly better than Symphony of the Night, but. I don't know, so many of them came out that it's hard. I, I can't I can't tell them apart. I, I, don't, I was not playing those Castlevania games as they were coming out after like the first one or two of them. It's a real damn shame when you think about it, you know. You know, you're Koji Igarashi over there cranking out fucking awesome little handheld Castlevania games with all these crazy mechanics and all this weird stuff over the years. And you're like, hey, man, and and they just at some point there were so many of them that people just kind of like, like well, ah, all right, yeah, you're making another one, huh? Oh, you brought the whip to the interview, huh? Yeah. Right on, right on, right on. Um... And, uh, and, and, and at some point that stuff sort of, you know, Konami just stopped making, I don't, I don't know. Like did they, did, I don't know what happened there. Did the sales go down and they, they didn't want to make any more of them, whatever it was. Um, and yeah, yeah. I like bloodstained came out and that was pretty cool. And you know, there's just a, yeah, I don't know. Um, those games are cool. I, I always tell myself that I should play the those handheld games again, or rather, some of them I don't think I've ever played. I mean, I, I probably have touched them at some point, but um, but I have not spent a lot of time with uh, with some of those games. Um, Randy in Portland got a a gift. My friend just gifted me an old tigergame.com and 10 games for it. It's pretty lousy. But where else can you find a D button on a controller? Do you have any experience with this thing? And what are your thoughts? Um, the GameCom, the Game.com, Tiger's handheld thing, it, it had a modem you could get for it, so you could get it online, not to play. I don't think any games had online support. You could, like check your fucking email on it. It's terrible. If we're talking like best game platform that has a D button on it, it's the Neo Geo. Easily. Um, there were a lot, I mean, Mortal Kombat trilogy came out on the game.com. I believe fighters mega mix did too. There's like a Batman game. Um, it's a lot of garbage. It's a black and white handheld. Uh, it, it is the, oh boy. It, it is just an absolute piece of garbage. And it's not super well emulated. Um, you can sort of play some games in MAME, I believe. Yeah, Duke Nukem came out on the GameCom. Right. There's a, yeah. It's a it's a disaster of a device. I bought mine when they went on deep, 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 deep discount. Um, 
and KB Toys was like blowing them out for like 10 bucks or something. Same way I bought my Virtual Boy. Waited until they were like, oh, this thing's a disaster. We've got to get rid of these. And then I showed up and went, Haha, that's actually how I bought my Game Gear. My first Game Gear I bought when they hit some insanely low discount price and they were trying to blow them out. Um, Game Gear, better than both of those other devices. But, uh, I don't think the Game Gear is especially great either. I don't know. Uh, Grant writes in, and this, you know, we'll start the year with this question and then we won't have to take it again for another year. Uh, by law, for the longest time, I do not remember console generations being numbered. However, it seems like out of the blue, everyone started calling them by their numbers as if we all agreed on it. When did that happen? Yeah, it's uh, terrible. I, it's largely a Wikipedia thing. Um, I, as far as I'm concerned, it's not real. And I think trying to number things and attach things to generations, especially in at, at times when you had consoles coming out a few years into a generation, um, it's just broken. The, the numbering scheme is dumb and bad. It always was. The To me, the crazier thing that launched out of this, or, or the thing that kind of at least makes a little bit more sense in a disgusting way is there are two separate numbering schemes. There's the numbering scheme that counts like, I think the Atari 2600 as like the first or second generation or something. And then you have the, um, the EA financial call where they go by whatever the number on the PlayStation is. And so they talk about gen five consoles and gen four consoles um, and they go, so, so it's, it's kind of a more of a modern era sort of numbering system. Um, that at least makes sense to me in a financial, like a reporting kind of context, um, where they're trying to, you know, they're, they're largely saying like, Hey, here's how much money we're making on this generation of hardware. And then the Gen 5 consoles, we expect to make this. And so we're expecting to... It clears up because, you know, we... Honestly, we, we do end up having this, like, confusion. Um, I saw it just the other day. Someone was referring to the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X as next-gen consoles. Like, oh, these games are only coming to, like, Suicide Squad, whatever it was. It was, like, some game. And they're like, oh, it's not coming to the... It's only coming to next-gen consoles. It's like, motherfucker, that's not the next generation. That is the now generation. We are years into it. This is the current generation of hardware. The PlayStation 5 is is now. They have sold 50 million of those fucking things. It is definitely a current generation console. It's old. It's on its way out. We need need an updated version of it. That bum-ass PlayStation 5. Gah! Who needs get me a PlayStation five pro. If we're going to talk gen five consoles, God damn it. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I always trace the generation numbering thing back to Wikipedia because everything must be quantified and numbered. And I get it. I love to quantify and number things, but this, uh, is bad. It's, it's bad. It's a bad numbering system. It's bad. 
It's bad and they're wrong. Um, Paul writes in, says, I remember playing the Neo Geo arcade games on that multi-game cabinet. Then the console came out and the game carts were 300 bucks. Now I can buy any Neo Geo game for $7.99 on my Xbox. This just blows my mind. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. I mean, especially, you know, because in the Dreamcast era, we were getting $40 or $50 versions of these Neo Geo games. And now they've now they're more like seven bucks, eight bucks. And they're seven bucks and eight bucks. And we look at them and go like, that's too much money. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous when you think about it. But. um, But I don't know, do, do, does can you get every Neo Geo game really? I don't I bet. I bet there are some, I bet there are plenty that are not available. But let's check here. Okay, yeah, no. I The, the one I thought to bring up and look for was Waku Waku 7. Because that's a game that has been on my mind a lot lately. The fighting game from Sunsoft for the Neo Geo. Waku Waku, <clears throat> I'm sorry, Waku Waku 7. Uh, which is a cool game. You have to gather some balls, and when you find all of them, they, they grant wishes. It's weird. Um, but I guess that technically came out on the Xbox One, and so it does run on and, and the PlayStation 4, so it does run on modern consoles. Current generation consoles, if you will. Um, but uh, I, there, I'm sure that there are some Neo Geo games that did not come out on modern machines. Well, you know, probably the, uh, what, um, what's the name? Is it, it's not irritating stick because that's the PlayStation, but, uh, uh, game, but what is the irritating stick style game for Neo Geo? It is irritating maze. And that had like a trackball controller, which the, the idea of a Neo Geo cabinet fitted with a trackball controller seems like some real, fucking depressing shit you like walk up to me like oh cool let's play some king of fighter oh wait they've got the trackball installed i guess it's not as bad as if they had the mahjong controller installed then you'd be like really pissed um yeah you know it's uh, it, uh emulated versions of old games and all it's it's never quite it's never quite what you want it to be, right? It's it's always like this is a, just a seven dollars. I I was buying all of those arcade archives releases, um, when uh when Hamster first started doing them on the PlayStation Four, and they were only out in Japan, and I was like, that's cool. I'm gonna start buying these, and then they started bringing them out in the U.S. And there's something about reading it in in a currency that you. Uh, just know a lot better and look at it and don't have to do exchange rates or anything like that. And you just look at it and go like, seven bucks, man. I don't know. That seems like too much fucking money for some of these games. Um, I, I think that's part of why the Atari 50 approach is so valuable and so fantastic is because it helps add 
it's not just a collection of games. It's also the documentary content. And it, it feels like something that comes together in a way that justifies its price, like, and then some, right. And you're like, Oh man, there's, there's a ton of games in here. And obviously I've got every single one of those games on one, two, three, four, five, five devices in this room. <laughs> um, can play all of those Atari 2600 games. And I've got several more in the garage. Um, but by adding all of that cool stuff, it becomes a must own thing. It becomes one of the coolest things to come out this year. Um, and so, you know, you know, like, like that is the stuff that helps justify those costs and justify those prices because otherwise, you know, you have to look at it and, and again, it becomes this situation of just like, I don't know, we threw a menu on it and the menu's got some music and it's jaunty. I'm like, okay, I'm still not going to pay $50 for your Intellivision collection on the PlayStation 2 or, you know, whatever it was. Um, it's still just too much. Yeah, they did that Capcom Arcade collection. It's just like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's hard. The, the pricing on that stuff is really hard. So, um, so yeah, the Atari 50 approach. And I would love to see that approach given, especially for more Japanese games and, and, you know, more interviews and because the, those are the stories that we don't get as much access to. Um, And uh, and that'd be great. Daddy Warbucks writes in from Oregon. Says, I figured I would give Lego Fortnite a shot. I need to get back to that. Or maybe I don't. I don't know. I played it a little bit and I was like, this seems cool. And then it never loaded it up again. Um, anyway, uh, I figured I'd give Lego, Lego Fortnite a shot. I like those games. Which ones? Lego games or Fortnite games? When I logged in, I had 2,000 V-Bucks, I think, from having bought Save the World at launch. I played uh, Battle Royale Fortnite like once and hated it. I wanted to buy a Lego skin because the default Lego guys rotate and many look like ass. And holy shit, the Fortnite store is garbage. Fuck this stupid FOMO bullshit, man. Just let me buy a skin. Let me filter for all Lego man skins and buy one. I'm no stranger to timed seasonal skins from playing League, but this 24-hour rotating shop shit is the most transparently predatory shit I've seen in a game uh, I've played. Gross. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes, I, I, I don't... I, so, I think my issue with the Fortnite shop um, is actually it works out in my favor most of the time because when I go and I look at the Fortnite shop, I am more confused by what I'm looking at. And so I'm never looking for anything specific. I'm like, is there anything cool in here? And I look at it and go like, I, where am I? What, what am I looking at? Like, like all of it is so like, what am I actually getting with this? And what do I do with it? Especially now that it potentially applies to as many as like what four games. Um, I'm just, I just look at it and go like, I don't, what the fuck is any of this? And then I get discouraged and go away buying nothing. I don't, and, and I, uh, I play a lot of games with battle passes too many, one might say, um, I don't understand the way Fortnite does battle passes because it's got one track that's got 
um what the family guy guy on it and then there's a separate menu that has solid snake on it and i don't know if that's part of the same battle pass or if that's a is that a separate is that gonna launch another battle pass with for solid snake is that a separate pass or is it part of the same pass like is it not it's not out yet so but, but like is it the same pass i think there ought to be a law Um, not actually a law, but I, I think if we're going to keep doing the battle pass stuff and clearly we are right. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't work for every game, but the games it works for, it probably works quite well. Um, I think that everyone needs to migrate to the Halo model of Battle Pass is not expiring. I think that the the thing of like, hey, we're putting a Battle Pass out. Like Call of Duty literally has a countdown when you launch it up in the upper left corner that says like, season one, 43 days left. Um... And I know that that's the point, right? Is they're like, oh, well, we we want you to keep playing. We want you to, but it's a, I, like on some level, why do they care, right? If you bought the battle pass, what the fuck do they care if you get the shit or not? Like once you've once you've made the purchase for the battle pass, unless it's, I, I assume that it's potentially like, hey, the more time people spend playing the game the more likely they are to spend more money or rather I bet for some games, if not every game, um, that, uh, when they get close to the end of a season, they probably see people spending V bucks to buy levels. They're just like, Oh, there's only two days left on the battle pass and you need 27 levels to get the fucking this, gold brick that dances and fucks sorry you can't use that one in lego Fortnite because it fucks um i would i would spend money i would i would max level a battle pass to unlock a gold brick that dances and fucks wouldn't wouldn't you i mean i that seems like a pretty no-brainer kind of thing so i guess maybe we answered our own question there is they want money on top of the money. But I, I, I tend, you know, I, I think that the, I don't mind battle passes. Uh, I don't, there are no games I play enough to max out a battle pass on legitimately. There just aren't zero. I have maxed out battle passes before, but it's always been like, um, oh, you, this version of the game comes with this battle pass and 25 tier skips. And so you're like starting a quarter of the way through. Like I've finished one of those or a couple of those over the years. Um, and I finished a couple, like one or two of the Halo Infinite battle passes. Um, but I didn't buy all of them because I've stopped playing Halo Infinite. But uh, I, I just, yeah, I... The idea of like, hey man, you bought the, like, I guess like at the end of the day, the smart move is never buy the battle. Well, the smart move is never buy the battle pass, but the second smartest move is 
don't buy the battle pass until the last day of the season. Because then you can look at everything you've played to potentially unlock and go like, oh, well, if I spend this money, I got to level 70 on this 100-level battle pass. If I buy it right now, I will get all of this stuff. Um, and then you can make the decision there because then you're just buying cosmetics. And if you like those cosmetics, buy those cosmetics. Like, it's not... I don't, you know, it's... If people want to buy cosmetics, they can buy cosmetics. If you, if, when Thrilla's Safari, when TNC Surf Designs 3 comes out, and you can buy a surfboard, and on the bottom of that surfboard, there's a Fantasy Island tie-in, and it's got Ricardo Montalban there. Herve Vilches, a palm tree on the bottom of your surfboard. And you can give them $8 to make that your surfboard whenever you play TNC Surf Design 3. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stop you from that. If you if that speaks to you, if that speaks to your soul, if you're like, I like this game, and also I I identify with Fantasy Island, and I would like to represent Fantasy Island inside of this game when I play it, I'm not going to stop you. So go go with go with God on your uh, cosmetics quest. I rarely go along for the ride on those, but sometimes I do. Sometimes a certain cosmetic will speak to me in a certain way, and I'll go like, "Oh well, yeah." I almost I thought about buying a Fortnite battle pass when when the Doom dude was on it, um, and I was like, I could get the Doom guy in Fortnite. And then I thought about it for a while, and I was like, but I don't play Fortnite. And so I'd have to buy a battle pass, like max level the battle pass, and then and then play Fortnite, which I don't especially want to do. So I, I, I'd pass on this. I did end up buying. Um, they put out the the Doom Two Super Shotgun for Call of Duty. Which is stupid. They put out it's the you get the the chainsaw as well as a melee weapon in Call of Duty, and they make it animate with the same number of frames that it animated in the original games, and so it's real dumb. Uh, and it's it's very over the top in a way that like I used it, but the the thing is is actually I don't think it's actually fun to use any of that shit. And so you use it once and go like, oh, that's really funny that it's the Doom 2 and it makes the noise, you know, and yeah, it takes and it reloads the same way. And you're like, neat. I don't want to do that ever again. And so I never did. But, uh, you know, but I felt okay buying that. Like, oh, I want to see this. And I'm, I was playing at the time quite a lot of Call of Duty. And so it felt okay to buy it and, and whatever. But, um. You know, everyone's going to have to draw their own lines on, on that stuff, I think, is, is, is kind of at the end of the day. Um, but I, that said, I do think that the, the kind of time-limited nature of those battle passes and stuff, so you go like, oh, hey, uh, you, you're going to pay money to buy this premium battle pass, but then you only have 64 days to, to hit the max level on it. I think that stuff super sucks. 
I, I think that that stuff is, is gross. Um, because then at the end of it, they're like, oh yeah, I don't know. These are kind of cosmetics you could have gotten if you had, uh, just played the game more. Like, well, fuck you. Like I, I gave you the money for like, you should just fucking give it, you know, fuck off. Like I, that's uh, yeah. I don't know. And it's uncool. Uncool. Uh, let's see here. Taylor from Toronto. I don't, th- I don't think we took this email. So these are emails I've been reading for weeks uh, and, and, and not having on the show because we, we missed some weeks with emails because the show ran long or what have you. Uh, so we're kind of catching up a little bit here. And I just know I'm going to fuck up and read the same, the same email twice. I know I'm going to fuck that up. But I don't think this is... Anyway. On a recent podcast, you made an offhand comment about what kind of weirdos have played Sonic the Fighters. As a mid-level Sonic weirdo... I first played Sonic the Fighters in 2012 with the Xbox 360 arcade release, but you may be shocked to know how many more weirdos have played it recently. The Yakuza games have always included classic Sega games, and the and two recent games, Lost Judgment and Like a Dragon Gaiden, both include Sonic the Fighters and require playing it to earn the Platinum Trophy. So not only have Sonic weirdos played Sonic the Fighters, but Yakuza weirdos have also played it. I'm sure one of Sega's goals for the future is to fit Sonic the Fighters into a Persona game and unify all three pillars of their company's weirdos. Yeah. Let's hope. Um, I like Sonic the Fighters. I think it's a weird game. Um, I think it, the way that it handles blocking and the the and 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 turtling up is really interesting. Um, and it has a, a wide collection of fucking characters you've never heard of, and the name is ridiculous. And I love Sonic the Fighters. I guess is what I, I guess is what I'm saying here. I guess what I'm saying here is that Sonic the Fighters is the best Sonic the Hedgehog game. I guess what I'm actually saying here is that Sonic the Fighters is one of the ten best. Uh, the ten best fighting games. Um, no, I, I like Sonic the fighters. I don't know. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, but I, it's, it's neat. It's a, it's a neat game. And, um, yeah, I, I always thought it was cool and weird. I remember seeing the arcade version of it at a trade show. um, you know, right around the time it was coming out or, or whatever, but, um, and, and just being like, this is so nuts. And and when you break it down, it's not actually that different from some of Sega's other fighting games of that era. Like it's not that different from fighting Vipers and, and, and some of that. But I, I think Sonic the fighters is, uh, if not a great game, it's at least cool and weird and uh, a fun little corner of the, of, of Sega's universe, you know, um, if not the Sonic universe, the only part of the Sonic universe worth looking at, I suppose I would say, 
Um, let's see if there's any more here. And I think after this episode, I, I am going to, I'm going to clear out the inbox and, uh, cause I have some, some old emails in here that we probably are just not going to get to. Um, so that would, I would take that as your sign. If I have not answered your email, you can send it in again. We'll go in with uh, this year with a clean slate. Um, let's see. On the subject of cosmetics, uh, Jeff from Queens writes in and says, I am one of the weirdos who doesn't like goofy celebrity skins in Call of Duty and wanted to offer our perspective. I appreciate the different uh, segments of weirdos writing into the show. Sonic weirdos. Uh, Milsim weirdos. They're still somehow just playing Call of Duty. Uh, there's an appeal to the military slash tactical aesthetic in Call of Duty that when you throw in stunt casting like celebrities such as Nicki Minaj or Ash or whatever, contrasts with the operator, ugh, I know, aesthetic, it can be distracting even. Like, imagine playing Mario 99 and at the end, Bowser comes out and gives some horrible three-minute monologue justifying the ethnic cleansing of the Yoshis or whatever, dressed up in real politic jargon. It would be awful. I don't know. That might be... But somebody paid $20 to make everyone see Adolf Bowser, so we're all stuck with it. At least some of the spawn skins tried to integrate into the tactic, tactic lol aesthetic of Call of Duty. Uh, but I doubt most people would want to shoot Nicki Minaj or uh, whomever celebrity in the middle of their gruff, serious soldier war game. I don't know. I feel like there are a lot of people that do want to shoot Nicki Minaj and interrogating that uh, is maybe uncomfortable. Um, of course, if there were an option to turn these skins off, it would be hard to justify the $20 price tag. Do you think that perhaps at this point, Activision should probably just buy up the celebrity deathmatch IP from MTV and ditch the military slash war stuff entirely? Just put every big name celebrity in it at this point and ditch ghost soap price, etc and let the war-slash-military perverts have their own separate game, and the bizarro multiverse nightmare world of Infinity Crossovers be its own property a la Fortnite? No, I, I don't, because I think what they're doing works well enough, and I don't think there are enough people like you out there to... Like, let's, let's, let's say they did that. Let's say they had their multiverse, you know, but let's say like, I don't know what the war zone splits off and becomes a nightmare. And then, you know, core multiplayer stays true. Um, there are not enough people like you out there to fund the tactical call of duty. Um, And there are probably more people that I, I, I see the, uh, uh there's the fucking, I, there's some dumb skins in that game. Um, that I, that I certainly don't like to look at because I look at them and go like, oh, these characters are stupid. Urgh. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of whatever. I, I think that call of duty is this high speed laser tag video game and it's, it's already ridiculous. And so I think, like 
for me, it's not that. I, I think for me, it, it's I like it when a game at least starts the way you're talking about it, and I don't mind if over the course of this year of support, if it gets weird. It's kind of one of my problems with Modern Warfare 3 is that by bringing in all the old skins, you're launching with Skeletor and all this other ridiculous bullshit, and, and also like a bunch of laser guns and fucking weed tracer bullets and, and all this other shit that you're like, at some point, it's just like, it's goof, it's a little too much, I guess I would say. But I don't think that it's, I don't think that there's enough weirdos like you to justify a separate game. And I don't think that they need to do it. So, um, so I guess the answer is no, I don't think they should buy the celebrity deathmatch IP and ditch the military slash war stuff entirely, because I think the way they're integrating it works just well enough to where you're like, I don't know, man, fucking Kevin Durant is in this game and that soccer player. We put that soccer player in it. He comes with a gun that's got a picture of a soccer ball on it. You're like, okay, what? Um, so I don't know. I, I think that they should keep going. Uh, <laughs> like they might as they might as well. I I don't know. Um, because I think Call of Duty is already ridiculous. I I I was kind of on board with what you're saying at one point. When they started doing the commercials for Call of Duty that had all the celebrities in them, there was that one year where they're like, here's Jonah Hill, and he's in a Call of Duty commercial or whatever. You just look at it and go like, that should just be the game. You know, they were already doing Call of uh, like a Snoop Dogg announcer packs and some of that other stuff. And so at some point you're just like, yeah, they should just, they should just go all the way in that direction. And now they kind of are, right? I mean, there, there's very few... I feel like there are very few intellectual properties that would not that 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 on the Activision side that they would go like this is a bad fit for our game. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, uh, unless you count transphobic streamers as intellectual property, I don't know that I do. But uh, they uh, at least eventually said no to that, right? Um, But yeah, I don't know, man. I, I you know when they did their like fifty years of hip hop, here's twenty one Savage r- running around, and you're like, okay, yeah, cool. Nicki Minaj, I think, is really funny. I, I think like there's a certain there's a certain type of Call of Duty fan that does not like being murdered by even a fake version of a black woman, and they'll let you know. So sometimes it's fun to murder them over and over again with Nicki Minaj. Deal with it, fuckface. Um. So I yeah I don't, I don't know it's uh the the skins and the you know I, I think that there is a sort of a problem that every game does trend towards ridiculous over time because that's just how that's just how skins go right I mean eventually you hit a point where you're like I don't know man Skeletor yeah man Skeletor fucking rips. And yet they haven't gone and got a. I guess it's not a popular enough IP, right? But I, I, it's like, why, why has there not been a GI Joe operator pack? I mean, there's like a ton of stuff they could do that would be like at least halfway appropriate to the IP, to the Call of Duty IP uh, that you could do. You're like, I don't know, man. We're putting Flint and Dial Tone and Beachhead in here. And you're like, yeah, that's fucking cool. And then Cobra Commander and Destro and Major Blood over here. No, you'd you'd do. You would actually do Cobra Commander, 
Destro and the Baroness. Oh, that's right. They did, they did that for Siege. Okay, well. Yeah. G.I. Joe pack for Siege. I don't want to play Siege. I will I will not play Siege. Um yeah, so it's like with with Jeff's question, I, like I yeah, I, I halfway get where you're coming from. Like there's there's something to be said for like man, these games get so ridiculous so fast, and this year's Call of Duty started ridiculous, and that's maybe a larger problem. But like I, I think the benefits out outweigh the 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 downside for most of the player base. I think they're they're not thinking about it that hard, and they're more like, yeah, man, cool, I'll play as Lara Croft. I don't know. I bought Snoop Dogg and I bought Nicki Minaj, but I did not buy 21 Savage. Thought about it, but didn't. Um, let's see. I don't know. Is there any... Let's see if there are any uh, more questions that kind of jump out here. Uh, a couple more came in. Why don't we just take these real quick here? Chris from Box Elder, South Dakota. She says, Japanese Choo Choo Rocket commercial? I discovered that commercial like 15, 16 years ago. And I will mutter, Choo Choo Rocket, Zarocket Sugoi, when I die. That's the email later. Yeah. No, yeah, that makes sense. For me, it's more of a choo-choo rocket. Is more the part that that sticks out at me. Lucas writes in and says, Recently, with the Epic Store giving out a copy of Saints Row 2022 in their Christmas sale, I decided to install it and give it a go as I'm a fan of the original series. And while it's clearly not the same level of over-the-top zaniness and humor as the original, the game mechanics are pretty much identical to the original games. I'm curious as to why so many people dumped hate on the reboot and what your thoughts were on it, and if you disliked it, why? Uh, I think it's... So I think mechanically it's it was buggy when it came out. I had a lot of problems with it at launch. That was a big problem. Um, I think a lot of the mission design and a lot of like, like games kind of moved. uh, They should ideally be moving on. Right. And so to to say like the game mechanics are pretty much identical to the original games. Like, yeah, but the original games were better. um, And so, and they were, they came first. And so it's, it's uninteresting to go play another, like now kind of generic, open world crime game. Um, especially when the, it doesn't handle all that well, the shootings, all that, you know, there's like just aspects of it that I think didn't work super well. Um, but for me, I think a, the, the big problem with it is I like the basic setup. Um, because I don't think you could have written another saints row game that would just kind of fit right in the same pocket as three and four. Because I think, you know, uh, just styles have changed. Senses of humor have, have changed. Like you, if you were trying like saints row, the third, I think hit a really good lane of like, it was the right type of comedy at the right time. I think four was, was 
in a similar vein. Um, and all of that lined up really well for that period in time. And then, you know, times change and, and you know, senses of humor change and, and a style of writing would need to change as well. So if, if they came around and just put out another game that was a lot of the same jokes or a lot of the same style of jokes from Saints Row the Third, it would be another point of comparison that you look at and go like, this is fucking like these dildo jokes were a lot funnier 15 years ago. Because these are just the same dildo jokes. If they had written a bunch of new and great dildo jokes, maybe. Um, but I think that they had to go for something different. And I think that they, they kind of set the table for something and then didn't do anything with it. Or didn't do enough with it. I think the characters in that game are not likable enough. They don't interact enough together. Like there's something to be said for the the nature of like, oh, we're just, we're just this group of crazy kids, these crazy roommates, and we're fucking broke, and we're starting a gang. Whoops, we took over the world. Like, you know, like, I, I think that you could absolutely write that game, um, but they didn't write it well enough. And so I don't think there are enough, like, funny moments along the way. I don't think they went far enough to establish that new tone and those new characters. Um... And I think that's my biggest problem with it is like, you know, they, they, they just didn't do a good job with the, the, the premise, like the, the premise I think is sound. The hows and whys as to why you would try to write something in a different vein, you know, I think make a ton of sense again, because they nailed it already. You're going to come back to it all these years later with a reboot and just like try to do the same thing. And you're like, oh, I don't know what, what popular song are they going to sing this time? And what, you know, it's karaoke style. What are they going to do? Uh, and little bits and pieces. I think there's absolutely room to write a younger cast and a younger type of dialogue and focus on, you know, like those sorts of like that sort of material. Right. But they don't do a great job with it. And, um, then you layer on a bunch of like boring ass mission design and some really generic feeling action and the whole thing just falls flat. So yeah, it's just a, it's, it's just that ultimately like, it's kind of like the worst sin that that game could have. If that makes any sense is that game's fucking boring. A Saints Row game can be a ton of different things, but it shouldn't be boring. You know? And I think if they had if they had just said, like, oh, he, the, the gang is back, and here's Johnny Gat, and look at him, he's foul-mouthed, and he's crazy, that, that would suck. That would just suck. If they had tried to write another game in the same vein as those, like, it would just be fucking corny. Um, like you could do a lot better, you know, uh, you could do a whole lot better than that. And I think that's, that's like pretty plainly obvious, right? I think if you, if you had just done that same game with those same characters, like it just would have been fucking pointless. They said everything they need to say with those characters in, in those, in the earlier games in the franchise. So if you're going to go for that long of a break, especially with how the fourth game ends up, you absolutely have to reboot it. Um, 
Otherwise, you are ratcheting up the stakes so high that they are absolutely, completely, 100% unmeetable expectations. For the people that like have are holding some torch for like that cast, right? If you're coming back like I don't what was it like twelve years later or whatever it was, and you're trying to say Johnny Gad is back for the people who like that that part of the game, like it's a death sentence for expectations on that game. A reboot was the right idea, um, just not executed very well. Ultimately, I think that's the the, the big problem with it. And that's a bummer. Um, I, th- I think that there are, again, like there's some version of that Saints Row game on paper that you look at and you understand like, oh yeah, of course. Um, and like, hey, maybe we want to try to make a Saints Row game that, you know, like a slightly younger audience might want to get into or something. So we're, we're going to try to maybe write it in that direction. And so they're, you know, they're going to be roommates who don't have a lot of money and all this other stuff. Like, you know, it's going to be relatable, bro. Um, I think that all makes total sense and there are little bits and pieces where they hit that and you go like, Oh yeah, all right, but not enough. They don't do enough with it. And it all just kind of falls flat. Uh, it's a shame, but uh, you know, ultimately, ultimately bringing back saints row is such a weird uphill battle anyway. And like what even, you know, what are you even making at that point? Um, so yeah and there's a lot of people I don't know that game got caught up in a bunch of weird bullshit too um, you know like like things do where you had like there was like whatever that segment of the audience that was just like they wrote this game to be woke it's like no they wrote this game to come out in 2022 sorry old man like again senses of humor change styles change it's not that they deliberately were like, we're cleaning this up and blah, 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 blah. we got to make it a non-offensive. It was like, no, it's like that style of humor, the let's push all these buttons and let's go out as far as we can and like, ha ha ha, dildos. Like, they did it, man. They fucking did it. What are you going to do? The problem is, again, the jokes that they did right in the, in, in the game that did come out, not good. Again, on paper, there's stuff that you go like, okay, yeah, if, if you do this and you nail it, it works. But they didn't. So, I don't you know, shit happens. Um, Andy from San Diego writes in and says, uh, has the Forza reboot killed the series like SimCity and NBA Elite did? Wow. That's fucking brutal. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say No. I guess I'm going to say no on that one. Um, because I think the Forza Horizon series is still going to be in good shape and it will come out and it will do just fine. Uh, how did the Forza do? We don't really know because all the Microsoft stuff is uh, wrapped up in Game Pass numbers and engagement numbers and, and all of that other stuff. So, uh, you know, like I I don't. I feel like the reaction to Forza Motorsport was not so negative that it like killed the franchise. I, I I do think that it kind of it's maybe the game that officially kind of flip flops things in a way to where I think you will have a much wider and maybe it was already this way numbers wise and I we just you know done I just didn't know but 
Uh, I th- I think of Forza Horizon as the lead franchise in that series now. The lead series in that franchise, I suppose, is the right way of saying that. Um, and so Forza Horizon will come out, and there are not a lot of... Op- there still, for whatever reason, are not that many open-world driving games coming out. And so I think that when they get back around to making uh, another Forza Horizon... Um, people will be receptive to that conceptually. And and so I, I think that, that that could work just fine. Um, but motorsport, I mean, um, you know, there's, yeah, I, you know, presumably they will keep working on motorsport and hopefully get it where it needs to go for the players that want that style of driving game. Uh, but for me, I think the situation was more like this motorsport reboot came out and made me realize I don't think I want that style of Forza game anymore. For as much as I think Horizon has kind of had a rocky road of being a little too samey from version to version, I think the last one they put out kind of got away from some of the things that were irking me about the two games that came before it. And as long as they can find ways to keep that fresh, uh, then I think Horizon will last for a good long time. And that that will be the, you know, that will eventually be seen as the premier Forza franchise if it isn't already, I guess. And then Motorsport will just be for the weirdos. More games for the weirdos, I say. Even as someone who is definitely not a weirdo, I want you weirdos to get your games. Because it keeps you off the streets. It's important. We need more Sonic the Hedgehog games. Because crime rates are up, <laughs> um, and we can't, and the and the jails are full. We can't lock up all the Sonic fans. We should, believe me, we should. But uh, unfortunately, we just we don't have space. This is why I'm all for. This is why I'm for private prisons. Now, hear me out. The corporations can open, they'll open way more prisons than the government can, honestly. And we've got to get these Sonic fans off the streets. And so if Monsanto wants to open a prison, or who, who, who the fuck is, is, is Monsanto running the prisons? I assume so. I just assume so. I'm on prison work release to put more pesticides into the food. Um. Anyway. Uh, that's going to do it for the show. Thanks everybody for hanging out. Uh, and getting the year started, I guess. Um, yes, 3M, DuPont, Monsanto, uh, all of your favorite prison manufacturers. Maybe Sega could get on that. Maybe we could have a direct pipeline of like you you hit the button to download the Sonic game and if you run it and there's a camera and if it detects that you're not playing the game ironically then that's it. They just come and get you. Two days later you're out there spraying some kind of unmentionable chemical onto lettuce for your from your for your friends at Monsanto. Um what were we talking about? Oh yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog. 
Sonic Superstars in stores now. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we'll have uh, more. We'll get back to some eight bit Nintendo games. We got Castlevania out of the way uh, next. Out of the I say out of the way, but it was a pleasure to play it. Uh, Castlevania has been ranked, and uh, well, yeah, we'll get another batch of games on the list. You can. Uh, support this monstrosity over at patreon.com slash Jeff Gersman. And, uh, you know, keep the, keep this nightmare, keep this nightmare rolling. Um, I'm finding myself with an increasingly, uh, increasing amount of things to say about wrestling and I don't know what to do about it. I don't really know what to do about it. A lot of things happening in wrestling that I'm just like shaking my head at and going like, ugh, ugh. The Rock is so bad, ugh. Ugh. Sasha Banks is not the answer. She never is. She never was. All these opinions and more. All right. I'm going to get going. I will see you soon. Or uh, more uh, more video games. And we'll be back next Tuesday with the podcast. Until then, take care. I'll see you.